SiriusXM. On today's show, Howard reunites. I love it. With longtime friend, author, comedian, producer, actress, and host, Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. I love her. Always interesting. to start the show and talk about a couple of things that are on my mind, but I'm, I'm just kind of attracted to staring at the phones here, and it says here, Rooster disarmed a gunman recently, and I'm kind of curious about how he did that. Rooster from Louisiana, remember him, Robin? I guess your mic's not on. Dear. Oh, did I come on? Pretty unprofessional. Robin all excited because I saw she was at the Pearl Jam concert that Sirius XM threw over at the old Apollo Theater. And she was being feted by uh, Eddie Vedder himself. Uh, I got sent a picture Saturday night. I almost blew my stack. Robin standing there without a mask next to Eddie Vedder taking pictures. And I'm like, well, I guess uh, I guess. Someone doesn't isn't immunocompromised, I guess. Wait a minute, is, is, my, is my mic on now? I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm tempted to turn it off. I'm so upset with you. <laughs> uh, you because, are unbelievable. First of all, let me say, for, you know, when I got the invitation, I was like, well, how do they protect the band? You know, what are they just letting mm-hmm. people walk in? These people have to stay on tour. We were all carted into an area and tested before oh. we could even go into that area. And I had oh. a little band, a wristband on that said verified because <laughs> I had been tested and I was negative. So only people in that room were negative. You all, didn't just, discuss. Just tested. I recall speaking with you before yes. uh, Saturday and for about an hour on the phone and, uh, no mention of you were going to Pearl Jam. I mean, you kept it off the uh, tight to the vest. Uh, you well, knew that I would. What do I, I want to do with you? Yeah. Argue every time I <laughs> go somewhere. Well, I, no, I just would have said, "Nice knowing you," and uh, enjoy the afterlife. <laughs> you want a chance to say goodbye? <laughs> oh, yeah, I would have said, "Just tell my dad I say hello when you see him up there." I said well, to myself, "You know, what? we've already what? lost one queen." Now we're lo- losing a second queen. <laughs> no, Robin was triumphant. She went to Sirius XM, and then I'll get the rooster because I really do want to know how he disarmed yeah, a gunman. Disarming a gunman? Yeah, and I've seen pictures of Rooster. He's a pretty big boy. I don't see how he's moving around in, a, in a, an agile way. Can he? Yeah, can he? Uh, he's like Cannon. I remember somebody mentioned Cannon, that old TV show with the fat detective. Yeah. And he I used said to, to run out, run down people. <laughs> I said to Beth on Saturday night, I go, look, look at Robin. I go, you know, I got so upset. I just went, yeah, you know, she's given up. Now she's out and about. I was very upset. Uh, I am still in my bunker. Did you get the new vaccine yet? The new 
No. By Valent. Yeah, me neither. I'm got, but Beth's upstairs working on that right now. We're going to get Is over to CVS. Is she making a new batch? Can I get um, some? No, we're going to get the... I said, what do you have to ask for? Updated bivalent vaccine. Once I get that, I might come out of my house. I might start socializing. Yeah. Beth Beth has informed me that it's time for me and her to go back to the city. We're going to spend a couple of weeks, go back to Manhattan. Um, she's planning around October once my new vaccine kicks in and then being around some people. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm still afraid of covid I don't want long-term COVID. I don't want all the weird little fogginess and all that bullshit. Although I play well, this game. Like it's easy for me. I got in, you know, I picked up a friend to take with me. And what? as soon as she got in the car, now she's a doctor. I always know she's taking care of herself and protected because she has knows? to be on the first, uh, you know, she has to be in hospital. She, she's never had COVID. Right. And, uh, I picked her up and I, when she got in the car, I said, I'm not ready for this. I'm, I, I didn't think this through, you know, every time it's like, right. I'm stepping out into, I don't know what. And you so, want to know what, you want to know what Beth did to me? What? So this weekend, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Doug and Amy, Beth's brother, um, they came and spent the weekend with us. So we had them tested and everything because they came off the plane. We had them tested. And uh, they were negative, so they spent the weekend with us. Then on Saturday, Beth decided to go to her friend's wedding in the city, not to the um, not to the eating part of it, but like to watch the her reception. get married. That's what they call. And I said, "Look, if you're going to that reception, to, if you go to the you know the actual wedding, I'm not going." You know. Thank God for COVID because now I have an excuse. <laughs> I go, I'm not going, but uh, she goes, well, I have to go. It's my friend, Jill. I'm going to go watch her get married. And uh, so I said, yeah, how's that going to work? Though? Are you going to wear a mask? She goes, I'll be the only one, but I will what? wear a mask. What? I said, okay, that makes sense. But she goes into the city with her brother and uh, sister-in-law. They went to Nobu. The, the brother and the sister-in-law went to Nobu. Uh-huh. Beth sees them later that night and then took a car ride with them. So if they, I said, Nobu's got to be where people get COVID. She goes, no, no, no. All the waiters wear a mask and all the tables are separated. I go, bullshit. What is that? So I probably have COVID already now. From oh, Beth. here we go. And yeah, then I made. I went to Eddie Vedder and the Pearl Jam concert. Yeah. You have COVID. <laughs> and Beth and Beth, meanwhile, came home and I said, you got to stay away from me. You have COVID. And she's going out. And I, this morning I fucked up and kissed her goodbye when I was coming <laughs> down here to work. And now I have COVID. How dare you? So I'm the only one still fighting the good fight. I, but hey. there are pierces in your armor. That's what you're telling us. See? Yeah. You're not yep. completely uh, no. protected like you used to be. Well, if I was single, I would be. But uh, No, you, you wouldn't because you couldn't be single. You'd have to go out and find a woman to bring home. I know. But then i test her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be single. Beth went into the city Saturday night. She was gone. Uh, she left Saturday around 2 o'clock. And I was alone for 24 hours this weekend. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, my God, it's torture for me. I was like, honey, could you please come home? I am so, I don't know what to do with myself. I was, I had all these plans. I was going to jerk off. 
I was going to um, paint. I was going to uh, watch movies. And all I did was jerk off. That's it. I didn't get anywhere <laughs> past it because I was like. <laughs> I mean, oh, my I, goodness. I, oh, it was horrible. I hate being by myself. I like my wife around. I don't want a lot of people around. I just want my wife around. And um, so I was miserable. I made a lot of phone calls. I called uh, I called Ralph. Listen to him. Yeah, oh, yeah, away. you said you owed him a call. Yeah, I called him. I called uh, I called some other people. Um, here's a woman who says she's always excited. I want to get back to Robin and the Pearl Jam concert and then get to Rooster. But this woman met Robin and said it was exciting. Go ahead, ma'am. <laughs> yes, yes. How was the Pearl Jam? Uh, yeah, what? ma'am. What is going how, on over there? How was the Pearl Jam concert? Yes. <laughs> <How> was- <laughs> okay, she's obviously got a problem. Well, uh, I did wear a mask during the entire concert. You know, yeah, I saw. I was, yeah. So Eddie Vedder was uh, talking about us, especially you, Robin, from the stage. Uh, Robin was about four rows back, and Eddie Vedder evidently was staring at Robin. I thought he and- was singing to me. I was like, am I losing it, or is he <laughs> just looking at me and giving the show? <laughs> Robin Vedder. Look at you. <laughs> Here's Eddie Vedder from the stage. I'd like to dedicate this one to all the DJs out there, all the radio programmers out there. And especially a guy called Gary and a guy called Howard and a woman named Robin who I got to meet tonight for the first time and I've been in love with her voice for so many years and I'm just joining all the other millions Robin I, I just live to hear you laugh I, I don't I think Howard's funny I really do but the part that really gets me laughing is I'm just laughing with you I love the sound of your voice and your laughter and bringing wow, us joy when we need it Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Gary. Love you, Robin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm getting blood flow right now. I can hear Robin dripping onto the floor with this uh, Looking attention. good, Robin. <laughs> well, I mean... If you're going to go out and get COVID, what a way to get it. I mean... <laughs> Wouldn't that have- be... What a story. Robin went the, out, and this happened, and then she got COVID, and then she died. <laughs> to have uh, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, one of the greatest rock bands ever, to be sitting there and paying homage to Robin, Fuck I me. mean, okay, Robin, all right, Fuck here me. we go. Take it easy. <laughs> Look, now you're ruining it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, actually, Eddie Vedder did text me after to report on you and meeting you, and... <laughs> I got a full he report. Because he told me he hadn't talked to you in a while. Yeah. Hadn't been we, in touch. Well, he paints. He's a rather good painter, and I paint, and we do talk about painting mostly. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, he informed me that you were at the Pearl Jam concert, and uh, good for you, Robin, triumphant again. I mean, the way you show up and uh, the seas part, it's unbelievable <laughs> what goes on over there when you well, show up. 
it's great being like that comet that only shows up every 75 years because right. you're really welcome to when you show. <laughs> and then, uh, and of course, Baba Booey is there because there's never a concert he misses. I mean, he's at everything. Baba Fufi. Yeah. He, yeah. uh, he has endless time to Baba go to Baba every Bowie. event. Baba Booey. You ready? He, t- he watches every football game, every baseball game, every concert. He, How does he's a he do real- it? He does it. <clears throat> and uh, and then Gary informed me this morning <clears throat> that he, it was so good to see Rob. Both, it was so good to see Rob. I haven't seen him so long. And I hugged her. I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. <laughs> there you go. But Gary he had been tested. <laughs> well, what I love about Gary is he doesn't let work slow him down for a second from all of his activities. His pickleball, his... Uh, Yes. His concerts and sporting events. He's football, always baseball. Football. I don't know. I'm get... talking baseball with somebody, yeah. you know, like he's all over every sport. Well, you know what it is, Robin? I get bored a lot. And uh, so <laughs> I, I need to be entertained constantly. <laughs> I wasn't saying that I was out on a Saturday night. I understand. Not at all, Gary. I know you're at everything. I, um, I'm just pulling. I'm very happy. I had a good time. Was Gary in the same row as you, Robin? I hope. I mean, yes, uh, I sat next to Lucas Delabate. Oh, actually, oh, yes, I was nice, very, very honored. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. And I got to meet Jennifer Witt. I'd never met the woman Ooh. who runs Sirius, so that was fun too. She's great. I heard right after Betterman that you and Jennifer had your tops off and you were uh, <laughs> twirling our bras. <laughs> yeah. Twirling your gigantic bras. <laughs> Who has the bigger bra? You or Jennifer Witz, the CEO I think of Sirius I still, I still win that contest. Good for you. Good for Jitties. you. Even Titties. though I did lose a letter in this weight loss. Jitties. Um, that's good to you know. Uh, by the yeah, by the way, don't, I lost. I'm not a double G anymore. I'm just a G. God bless. A beautiful <laughs> G. Hey, our special airing of this concert that Robin was at oh, the Pearl Jam so concert. Yeah. Uh, there they were in concert at the Apollo Theater for Sirius XM's small stages show. Imagine seeing Pearl Jam on a stage show. There's a stadium act, but uh, this will air. Friday, right here on Howard 101, 5 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And, uh, yeah. How does that work? 5 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. They're going to show air it at two separate times. They'll have a wow. Pacific Coast feed and a East Coast feed. That's beyond my comprehension how they do that. <laughs> I just figure they put it on and it's on at different times. Well, I think they can control this thing, and they can hmm. put on whatever they want, whatever they want. Wow. That's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, so the special Pearl Jam concert, which I know I'm going to, I'm just such a huge fan. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but we got some he great concerts. He was really concerts. sad that you weren't there. He really wanted you to be there. I would love to be there, but I'm um, still fighting the fight against COVID. I'm, uh, I'm in the trenches here. Uh, I, I am going, this is my plan. I'm going to go get this new vaccine, the updated bivalent vaccine. And I'm going to stop being the lone soldier. I'm going to go out. I'm probably going to get COVID, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go out. My wife tells me, 
We're going to go to Manhattan and go to restaurants. I said, you mean outdoors? She goes, it's going to be in October. We can't go outdoors. I go, so you're telling me I'm going to get this new vaccine and I'm going to be indoors at restaurants. See, at least I'm trying to see everybody before it gets cold. Yeah, That's what I'm doing. I'm not going inside. I'm going to do it. So here's my plan. I'm going to go out to a restaurant with my wife, get COVID, and live in a fog for the rest of my life. It's called a COVID fog. So I might be a little fuzzy. So get in well, these last I'll couple of shows. Well, then I'll say goodbye to you now. Yep, you might as well. Bye. <laughs> the Howard Stern you know will no longer exist. Can we well, talk per- to Foggy Howard Stern? <laughs> we got to get I'm gonna him be on like, the phone. <laughs> testing, testing, one, two. <laughs> Pearl Jam is a hot ticket. Wolfie just spent $900 per ticket to see Pearl Jam in what? Camden, New Jersey. Yeah, from the scalpers. So, That's crazy. Uh, what you saw was very valuable, Robin. I, a- I woke up the next morning and I said, we were all so lucky to be there. That was really amazing. Did they what do Better Man? Did they do Better oh, Man? Yes, of course he did. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. But man, mm-hmm. do they jam out. It's a good name for them. Pearl Jam. Jam. <laughs> Pearl Jam is jism, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that's what that is. It's a jism. I know. Yeah, you don't know. You're so naive, but uh, that's uh, <laughs> you're such an innocent. Yeah, Pearl Jam. So anyway, that's uh, happening uh, Friday. We'll be airing that 5 p.m. Eastern and somehow 5 p.m. Pacific all at the same time. So there you go. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, Rooster. How do you uh, disarm a gunman? Uh, how did you do that? Uh, well, before I tell you how I did it, I want to set up a scene and you tell me how you would handle it. Go ahead. You are. You live in a little small trailer park. There's only twelve trailers, six on each side. You wake up about one thirty in the morning to the sound of gunfire. What do you do next? I um, turn on the trailer and hightail it out of there. <laughs> I run. I run as fast as I can. If it was ever so easy to just turn them on and haul ass. First of uh, all. I'd be dead already because uh, if I was living in a trailer park, I probably would have killed myself. <laughs> well, that ain't that bad. You got everything you need right there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it just so I, I didn't know. There's... It just seems to me like a trailer park is like rock bottom. No, no. You got some people that that just you know that just like it. It's just just a lifestyle. Why? You got what is you need right there? Well, here's the way I look at a trailer park. Uh, and and I've never been to one, so explain it to me if I'm wrong. But I I've seen these things, and you know it looks like a tour bus kind of deal. You know they're very narrow, and, and right, and you know, but they I know they've got bathrooms and stuff, but they're kind of like vinyl. Some of the toilets and and then you and then you you don't own any property. You rent but see, a space. But see, Howard, you, know. you have had better. These people yeah. have it. See, what you about you? What, what are, you, are, you, are you? Are you living in a trailer? Not anymore. I'm in when a home you, now. <laughs> well, when did you do this? This uh, where you disarmed a gunman? This was probably a, a week before y'all come off of vacation. Week before we came back from vacation. Well, what were you doing yeah. in a trailer? I was living in it. Wait a second. 
You said I'm 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 lost in this story, Rooster. Let me okay. back you up. I, I, I was living in a mobile home. I've been living in a mobile home. Okay, but you said that was a long time ago. What was a long no? Well, what was a long time ago? When you, well, you, I, you I, hmm. we just I disarmed the guy a week before y'all come off vacation. That that just happened not too long ago. All right. So you're telling me a couple of two weeks ago is when we came back yeah. from vacation. Yes, you sir. were living you were living in a trailer park. Yep. Okay. All right. Because I already feel like and I have brain fog. This is a good no. <laughs> this is a good uh way for me to experience brain fog without actually having it. Okay. Right. Rooster. I, I, I don't want right. to spend too long on this because I have a lot to get to and Rosie I, I, O'Donnell's I'm coming in. I'm, okay. All right. I Go woke ahead. up to the sound of gunfire. I heard three rounds. And then uh, when I finally got coherent, I got out of the bed. I told my wife to get on the floor, and I went into the kitchen because I didn't know if it was coming from outside my trailer or inside another trailer. When I was moving through the kitchen to the front door, I could see the gun blast inside the trailer next door to me. I counted 11 more shots. And I could tell there were two different caliber guns, so I knew there were multiple shooters. I grabbed my phone. I called 911. I had my kids get on the floor. I opened the front door, and there was a gentleman standing outside bleeding from the chest. So I'm telling the dispatcher my address and that they're having a, 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 a shootout with multiple shooters in the trailer next door to me. When I see the guys bleeding from his front, I tell her they automatically got one victim right here, but I don't know if he's the victim or the shooter. So when mm. I go out, when I go out to approach him, he's telling me, he said, I was set up. Uh, I have a gun on me. I took the gun away from the guy that shot. Me. So when he said that, I twisted his arm. I put him on the ground and I told him to stay put that he had a gunshot wound to the stomach. I checked for an exit wound. I took the gun away from him. When I could tell that the gun that I took away from him was a nine millimeter, I could tell that the entry wound uh, was not the same caliber. For one, there wasn't an exit wound. Had a guy his size been shot with a nine millimeter, he'd have had an exit wound. So I informed that the dispatch that uh, there hold was a it, hold it, hold it, hold it. You're telling me in the middle of a shootout, you're yeah, looking at this. You're looking at this dude's wound, mm -hmm. and you can tell that the bullet inside of him is not a nine millimeter round. Yes, sir. Now, I, I, Rooster, I love you, but I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit on this. Okay. okay? All right. right. Here's number one. I'm going to tell you something. I have shot nine millimeter guns, and their trajectory is completely unpredictable. Sometimes uh -huh. they stay in, sometimes they go all the way through. I've a done that in, I, I've done that on those 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 hard rubber things that you shoot into yeah. to see how far the bullet goes. Yeah. Okay. Those uh those those jail dummies. Yeah. This this is a small frame guy in his not even early twenties, real small. It was a gut shot wound. There was no no ribs there. There was he was shot in the uh right around the belly button. The only thing that would have stopped that bullet from exiting him was his spine. If he was hitting the spine, it'd have been paralyzed. 
It was a flesh wound. It went straight Wait into Wait a his second, stomach. Rooster. You know bullets do weird things. They stay, They go in different directions in the body. You don't know that there's going to be an exit wound. This is well, crazy. And you're telling me in the middle of a shootout... You went over to the guy. He's laying on the ground. You rolled him over. And Plus, he's yeah. on the phone. I mean, he's doing all this yeah. with one hand. <laughs> and Rooster yeah. weighs like five thousand pounds himself. I don't know what are you. How's what are you he crawling down on the ground? What yeah, what are you doing? crawling? Are you crawling on your belly? <laughs> no. Uh, Robin had it right when she compared me to Cannon. Cannon was the shit back in the day. Rooster on our phone is Chicken, who disarmed a gunman. He wants to tell his right. story. Go, Howard. hi, Chicken. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you. So this was um, last week, a year ago. I disarmed <laughs> a, a gunman at yeah. 5 p.m. Eastern, but also 5 p.m. Pacific. You follow me? Okay, yeah. it was in my trailer, uh, which is actually my house. doesn't have wheels. Okay, right. I woke up. Uh, I had, there were gunshots in the morning. This is the middle of the night, keep in mind. You hear You hear me? Okay. Right. Now, I could tell this guy, looking at him, okay, this guy had uh, was a machine gun, uh, looked like, kind of like a musket, okay? He was actually a Terminator from the future, come back in time. So after I just, uh, well, after he got shot, which I didn't shoot him, but the other guy did, I cut him open to count uh, the rings of his, I want to tell how old this guy was, you understand? And it was right. cold Tuesday, but on Wednesday it was warm. About 70, uh, 70. I mean, Rooster, this is some cockamamie story. Wolfie, what do you <laughs> no. know about this? Was this in the newspaper? I would imagine this shootout was in the newspaper. What do you know about it? I, I can't confirm that. All I know is he called me like immediately after this happened. So yeah. I, I tend to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's bullshitting. I, I've <laughs> never thought he was a bullshit artist ever. Rooster no. is one of my, my, my favorite callers, but this is wild. Like, can you imagine the shootout and he crawls over and he's counting, looking at the guy's belly and then he realizes he's somehow. disarming the guy. He's flipping <laughs> him over, taking him down to the ground. Well, you, you should see a recent picture. <laughs> you should see a recent <laughs> picture of Rooster and exits. he's a physical <laughs> specimen. I, Rooster Seagal. I mean, what the hell? Hey, the, uh, the reason it was not on the news, the guy that I took the gun away from was an informant. He ratted on the people that brought him there, and they brought him there to kill him. I see. So, in other words, what you're saying is, in the trailer near you, yes, they they brought this informant in. That you yep. heard 11 gunshot wounds, but somehow he only got hit once. 14. There were three 14. before he decided to yeah. get into action. So the, so the criminals brought him there because he's an informant. They, they fired their guns 14 times and they hit him once <laughs> inside a trailer. And then he rolls out of the trailer somehow. You show up. And somehow you're Where determining. Where are the other guys now? They, they are gone. <laughs> yep, they ran out the front door. He came out the back door, which was right even with my front door, and they went out the front door and were caught about four hours later in town. Two no, of them turned their self in. Two well, I, as someone who has, uh, I don't know, it, Rooster, I don't know. I, this just, listen, I don't even know how many I, guns I own, I, but I got plenty, and I'm telling you right now. I have uh, fired I, I many rounds I in my have, life, I and this sounds like first. a scene from The Equalizer. Where, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, say, this is a TV show. I will, <laughs> I will have, I will have the first deputy, uh, the first deputy that showed up on the scene. I will have him call Wolfie 
and confirm it. All right. Okay. Okay. And well, Rooster. Word for word. Well, you're a brave I, man. You're a brave man. I mean, in the middle of a shootout, you see some guy bleeding on the ground. You 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 took away his gun, and uh, what can I say? And so I the guy on the phone giving information to the law enforcement before they showed up, so they didn't come into a a madhouse. Rooster. Uh, so the guy lived. The guy who had the uh, bullet yes. wound. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Yep. He lived and. Two of the other shooters were also hit. One was hit in the abdomen, and the other one was hit in the arm. But they were found in town later. Uh, they went to the emergency room on their own and turned themselves in. Well, there's a, a trauma ER doctor on the phone. He says this is crazy, but uh, let, me, let me just hear what this guy's to say, and then I got to move on. But uh, Rooster, uh, always interesting. Um, Congratulations, Rooster, if it's true. Thank you. I would have run, but that's me. <laughs> uh, Jesse, go ahead. You're on the air. Trauma, Dr. Jesse. Hi. Hey, Howard. So I usually love listening to Rooster and his crazy stories, but he can't get his details straight about when he's living in a trailer, when he's not. But you could be as, as thin as a stick and get hit in the belly with a 9 millimeter and right. not have an anti wound. It's a slow velocity round. Of course. So him sounding like Denzel over here, I'm just not buying it. Yeah, I mean, Denzel, when he's uh, the equalizer, I mean, not so much when uh, Queen Latifah is the equalizer. She doesn't seem to be able to do that thing where can she slow down time with her watch. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, when Denzel is the equalizer, he quickly looks over the situation and he can see the exit wounds, and know the uh, caliber of gun and blah, 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 blah. Uh, caliber Bruce of the bullet. just telling it by sound. It's just great. <laughs> when I, heard it, I, I knew there was a, a, a shotgun and a nine millimeter. But examining the wound upon examination because of the exit area. I mean, my God. And meanwhile, this guy's shot in the stomach. Rooster's flipping him around looking at him to find exit wounds. I mean, what the fuck is going on? If you have those skills, are you living in a trailer? <laughs> uh, no, this guy should be the head of the FBI. All right, Rooster, good for you. I'm going to take your word for it that this all happened either two weeks ago or a year ago or something like that. But <laughs> I'm going to contact Wolfie during the week. Please all do. Right. All right, Rooster, there he is. Rooster, right. I love the guy. I mean, this is some story, but uh, all right. What can I tell you? Plus, he woke up to all of this, and look at how present he is. He's... Doing everything, you know, and I love how he's. I went into the kitchen. No, you're still in the trailer. It's just one big room. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, hey, so uh, last night I'm laying in bed. I was all excited. I put on Netflix, get it ready to watch uh, Virgin River with my wife. They got a new season on there. It's getting you me like Virgin cuckoo. River, huh? I did in the beginning. Now I'm just watching it because I've already watched three previous seasons. My wife and I oh. watch it together. It's, you know, before we go to bed. But boom, there it is on Netflix. Jared Leto as Morbius, which is a comic book. Oh, yeah. A vampire comic, but like a vampire superhero. And I'm like, fuck, how did I miss this? But I, they must have just put it up there. I mean, I literally must have hit it. It just went on Netflix. It was streaming at other places, you know. It oh, was, was like it? a a movie on something. Yeah, because I saw oh. it earlier. Oh, I didn't know that. I wish I had known that, but I like it. I'm in the middle of it, and uh, I had to turn it off because my wife was trying to sleep last night, and she said, Morbius is too loud. And I said, you know, 
This is the problem. When they're talking, she thinks I'm going deaf. I go, no. <laughs> when they're talking, they make the sound low. And then as soon as the action starts, the music and the, and the effects and the blowing up and the crashing through the glass, it's, it's 900 decibels. So she thinks I'm going deaf. I'm not. I don't think I am. Maybe it's time for a check. I don't know. My high end hearing's gone. I can't hear really high end stuff. Like, really? um, you know how some stuff in your kitchen beeps if you keep the the door open? Yeah. I can't hear that. But really? other than that, I, yeah, I got no high end hearing. Wow. That's I never not liked, good. I never liked high end anyway. I always you didn't liked, like uh, those beeps. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I got three years left on this contract. I'm pretty sure I got to like stop after that because, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of shit's going to be wrong with me in three years. Will you stop predicting your end, your demise, and your your decrepitude? I tell you, you can though, talk you know, yourself into that, you know. Well, you're right because a lot of it has to do with my mom. I am taking care of my mom, and I gotta tell you, boy, is it depressing getting on the phone with her? I gotta brace myself every time I call her, and I gotta call her a couple of times a day because I'm in the middle of a arranging doctor appointments for her all the time. That seems to be my whole day. I got to find doctors. I got to find doctors who are willing to see her so that she doesn't wait in the waiting room because she's so miserable. My mother used to be a positive person, but now she's just, she even says that I hate being a negative person, but I'm miserable and I'm unhappy. Mm. Oh, how it, how it, how this is what I hear every day. I go, Mom, can you just knock it off? Just let's just talk about business. Let's get you into the doctor. Every fucking thing is a problem. Got her to the eye doctor, but now I got to get her with the another. My mother's got a macular problem, macular degeneration in one eye. So that's got to be looked at. And the other eyes, they, they're okay because she has pressure in the eyes. And then she's got... Uh, then she got the, the, I told you the dentist saw her. And, uh, then now I'm uh, with the gynecologist. I got the, uh, oh my God. I mean, you know, she's going today. Uh, don't ask what's going on, mm -hmm. but I'm on the phone all the time. And I go, mom, and now she's starting to lose it too, because I'll go, mom, you're going to go to the gynecologist. When am I going? He's coming here. No. He's not coming to you. He can't. He has to have his equipment. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Yes. You're going to go. When? I was on the phone with her for an hour. I said, Mom, I got to get the name of your gynecologist. She gives me the name, right? Yeah. I'm... Hey, you got three different offices. Let me give you the number. Or just give me one number. To try. First number, five one six. Repeat it back. Five one six, yes. <laughs> five one six. And I go, Mom. I mean, it's just, it's torture. And then finally, the third number is the cell phone number. I go, if you have that, just give me the cell phone number. I don't need the other two numbers. Take all three numbers. I hang up with her. She calls me right back. I, tell me the numbers I gave you again. Oh, no. Did she do yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting nervous uh -oh. with her because she always had her marbles. 
it's not good. And, uh, and I was talking to a woman from hospice. I said, you know, I got to get her all these doctors. She goes, yes, you know, in my opinion, your mother could have a bunch more years of living. I go, oh my God. What? She goes, yeah, she could be alive a bunch more years. I go, are you kidding me? She's going to be miserable. She's already miserable. I said, yeah, well, how I better do we get, get her out of the misery part. Well, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get her to all these doctors so maybe they could get her so she's not, she's always in pain. She's always uncomfortable and it's horrible. I mean, old age is just fucking horrible. What I'm well, seeing. I saw a, I don't remember what I was watching. Oh, it must have been that Bryant Gumble show on uh, HBO, real sports or something they call it. And, um, they had a bunch of octogenarians up to 100 who are athletes, and they compete in the Senior Olympics. No, that ain't my And mom. all of them were 80 to 100, <laughs> and oh. all of them had their marbles. Uh, all of yeah. them were very active Not and my winning mom. medals. You know, my mom lost my father. They were married 75 years. She's depressed about that. She's sad about her health. And she lays in bed all day, you know, and she doesn't go out. So then I got her the TV. I got it. Uh, my, my boys, Matt and Jeff, put in the TV. She had a, she, I'm looking in my mom's room. She doesn't leave the room. She got a tiny little TV on the wall that I put in there for like when, you know, they never used Just to watch for TV. for going to bed, yeah. Yeah, something. yeah. It's right. not even her bedroom she's in. She had like ah. a little separate meditation room that she had. Ah. And she had a little TV in there. I go over there. The TV is so loud. That you can hear it from downstairs. And she's on the third floor of the building. So I'm like, motherfucker, this is loud. <laughs> like, this is crazy. So I go in and I say, okay, let's get her a bigger TV, right? Get her one of these big flat screens. And then the guys came up with a, some device. I don't know what it is. The speakers will be right by her head. Oh, okay. So she can hear better. And they won't have to hear it on the right. first floor. <laughs> so we put we put the TV in on Wednesday. No, excuse me, Thursday, Thursday of this past week. Okay, okay, that was the big event. I go, Mom, you know what? TV makes you happy. We're going to get you a nice big TV. You'll be able to see it, and we'll get some great sound, so you don't have to play it so loud. Ah, oh, I do like TV. I go, okay, well, that's something to look forward to. Now you have a nice TV and sound. Okay, you know, listen, you know me. I don't do well with new gadgets. I'm not a gadget person. I don't know how I'll do with it. Uh, you're going to uh... do fine, Mom. This is the conversation, okay? Like, Mom. <laughs> You're going to do great. I'm sorry. I'm such a burden on oh. you. Mom, you're not a burden. What? You're not a burden on me. You said what? I can't hear burden. Burden on you. I'm a burden on you right now. <laughs> I'm burden. No. <laughs> I didn't say that. What did you say? Say it again. I said, you're not a burden. It's my pleasure. 
What's burning? Nothing is burning. <laughs> Richard Burton. No. <laughs> it's like, ah. so I go, mom, you're going to. So now, you know, I, 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 the new TV's in. The guys went and put it in. They dealt with my mother. They said she was real nervous about it. Okay. They gave her the, 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 the click. He, they, the clicker, the remote yeah, control. Yeah. Matt says it's no different than what she had before. She just turns it on, and the speakers are near her head, and she can raise and lower the volume on the speakers. So the the only move is to turn the TV on, and to raise and lower the speakers. Oh, that's a lot. So, so I fi- so I figured I'm going to hear from her because it's a game changer, right? Right. Because right. the way I see it, she can't see anything now. She could see the screen better. I don't hear from her. Call her up, mom. Hold on. I gotta get my hearing aid in. She never advertised these hearing aids in. When I call, this <laughs> is a, like, I'm not exaggerating, a 10 minute period of a lot of fumbling around with the aid. Evidently, with the hearing aid, that one is blue colored and one yeah. is red colored, but she can't see it. And she says to the aid each time, which is the blue, which is the red. And every time that I call, it seems like it's the first time they're doing this. <laughs> like, like it's never been done before because we got to get this thing set up so she can hear. So all I hear in the background is, Howard, hold on. I got to put in my hearing aid. Okay. What? Okay. Take your time. <laughs> then I hear like, which one is the blue? Where's the blow? And then uh, just put this one. Uh, where's the Where's the red one? Which one? Uh, what? Which is the red? The red? No, that's the blow. I go, mom. What? I go. You know what we gotta do? We're gonna make a system. What? A system. What system? I'm gonna get a box that says red and a box that says blue. And you'll keep your blue hearing aid in the blue box, and you'll keep the red in the red box. <laughs> what? What are you doing with my hearing aid? I'm going to come. Uh, forget it. Forget it. Let's talk about your doctor's appointment. <laughs> I mean, these are the golden years. This is what oh this is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You don't even know what the fuck. I mean, my, and by the way. I'm not a spring chicken. My time is slipping away. <laughs> I'm not at a Pearl Jam concert like Fafa Fui and Robin. I'm sitting at home making. <laughs> my wife's out at a wedding on Saturday night. I'm at home making gynecology appointments and try doing that on a Saturday night. Not a lot of doctors are around. Holy schmoly. Holy moly. Well, what happened with the TV? You never got to Oh, it. my God. So the hearing aids get in, and then, of course, uh, I still can't hear. Can you raise your volume? Mom, I can't yell any louder. You have volume. <laughs> and, and and again, every time the same thing. She has the volume too low. There's some mechanical device we have there. It's a microphone thing. They got to turn it up so she yeah. can hear. And then it squeals for a while until we get it set. It's like, and she's like. All right, now I can hear you. <laughs> the thing is feedback, and it's like... 
<laughs> I tell oh you, she's going to outlive me. She's going to outlive me. <laughs> she's going to oh. outlive me. And she'll say, why are you yelling at me? I go, Mom, I'm not yelling. I'm just trying to help you. I'm a burden on you. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be like this. But you're the only one I can depend on. Oh, you're dear. the only one I have, and it falls on you. <laughs> and I'm in bed. I'm like, Mom, let's stick to the <laughs> talking about. I know, I know. Uh, thank you. You're wonderful. You've done everything you can do for me. I go, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, Mom, here, let's get back to it. Tell me about, I'm trying to be positive. Tell me about the TV. What about it? And I'm like, what about it? I thought what it was going to be it? a game. Yeah. yeah. I go, Mom, can you see the TV better? I could see the TV. I always could see the TV. Oh. I go, yeah, but now it's bigger. It's a better experience. I see you have trouble even reading a, a anything. The TV is big. It's a beautiful TV. But what about the sound? Listen, I'm not good with these things. But doesn't it sound better? Doesn't it now? It's right near your head. You don't have to... I uh, you know what it is. It's new. I have to play with it. I'll figure it out. But I'm not good with <laughs> gadgets. You know, I never was. Mom, it should be a big difference. It's right next to your head. I haven't really had time to think about it. But you're watching TV, right? I'm watching some TV, sure. Whoa! Isn't it um? Isn't it great now? I don't know. I don't know if it's great now. Oh God, that's a bust. Yeah, I don't know if she knows she has to also control the sound of those speakers. I don't know what's going on, and I don't know if anybody. I don't know what's going on. But she always, like, like then, and then at the end of this miserable conversation, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> great, mom. Things are great. Like, there's any room for me to have a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, anyway, I'm trying. I'm trying desperately. That sounds very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy shit going on in my fucking world. And then, you know, listen, my father's gone and, you know, she's upset about that. And yeah, yeah, she's in that phase where, you know, says she can see him. It's like a Sal kind of thing, you know, like, like she can, you know, she sees him sitting on the bed and I go, good. That's good. That's yeah, good. he's still there then. He's still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, he's probably a lot better. Now he can talk to you. Yeah. He'll say anything you want him to say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> pretty compliant <laughs> i was thinking that about the queen you know i said there you know the queen is on tour oh my god they what they do with that body it's open it's open to the public the the queen has been moved they talk about her like she's still alive i'm watching this thing and they're talking they're saying yep we're moving the queen to a viewing area 
It's going to be open 24 hours a day. She's going to be guarded by the military. And for the next five days, five days. Wait she's a minute. Lie. You're, you're missing the part where she went to Edinburgh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. So they took her there. That was a six-hour drive <laughs> from that castle. Yeah. That's what I want you to do with me when I'm. I want to be on tour. And and uh, I said, is she really in there? You know, because they have this uh, flag draped coffin. Yeah, and you can see the flag through the windows of this uh, hearse that's she's traveling in and i'm yeah. like is she really in there are they pulling no. people's legs <laughs> like this empty box is going everywhere my favorite uh you know when a leader or a head of state the best was when that ayatollah dude died and the the people in iran went so berserk for him they took his um they, they tore the whole coffin apart when he was on tour and then they had the body laying in the street because everyone yeah, was it like fell. yeah it yeah queen elizabeth She's, yeah, so uh, she's traveling. She she hasn't been able to travel in years, and now she's everywhere. So she went to Scotland to say goodbye to Scotland, and now they're flying her. I think today, sometime they're flying her to London, where she nice. will be laying in state somewhere for four days, and people yeah. can file by. By the way, did you see how the royal family broke the news that the queen was dead? They did an interview in Dan's papers in uh, the Hamptons. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> it was it was a much uh, lower key yeah. than that. Did you see they had a like a typed up thing and they yeah. put it in a wooden box and they hung it on the gate? <laughs> I know it was, it's weird traditions and everything. And I'm like, Jesus, enough with the queen. I mean, it's America. We don't have a queen. I get it. You know, queen was a nice lady, I guess. She was born, you know, my whole life. The queen has been the same queen and uh, it's a tradition there. And she did her duty to her country. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we got to get back to Trump and where those papers are that they found at Mar-a-Lago. And, and uh, you don't now like they're the saying distraction of the queen. Huh? No, it's like annoying. It's like everyone wants to hear about Trump. Trump 24-7. I mean, you know, it's so weird. I knew Donald for so many years. Not in touch with him now, obviously. But the only thing that I used to say about Donald, the guy just wants to be the focus of attention. He wants the whole world looking at him. And yeah. son of a gun, if he didn't make that happen, it's unbelievable. He got his wish. He just wanted everyone paying attention to him. And, man, he's got to be on cloud nine because... This it's, is all he ever wanted. It's all he ever wanted. Like, he used to Go make ahead. up phony Time magazine covers. He'd put himself on the cover of Time magazine and hide, hide, and, hide, and hang it in the country club. I mean, he got his wish. I mean, you turn on the news. Joe Biden's the president. You don't hear a word. It's about Trump and Trump and his papers and his documents and his followers and the Republicans. And his lawyers and, and his... Oh, my God. Rallies. It's the greatest. <laughs> but um, anyway, it was crazy. It was all the queen, no Trump. Uh, this morning I was watching TV and they said, uh, I was watching uh, on too, way too early with Jonathan Lemire on uh, MSNBC. And they said, uh, yeah, they. it turns out now they think, the FBI thinks, a lot of the documents are missing that um, were top secret. They th they got tape of Trump getting on a plane 
to Bedminster, New Jersey, you know, when he goes to his Bedminster estate right. with cardboard boxes piling in, they think he took a whole bunch of documents now in Bedminster. What is the what are these documents and why is he carting them around like this? I have three theories on that. Okay. okay? I'm not Trump, but I got three theories. One based on the dude I know. Even when he got in office, he couldn't believe he was in office. When those Russian um, ambassadors came to visit him, if you remember early on in his administration, he started showing them top secret documents, like saying, can you believe I have access to this shit? Yeah, I think can he's, you believe they give this stuff <clears throat> to me? <laughs> yeah, like, like I think he was trying to prove to the Russians, like, I'm really in control here. I've got top <laughs> secret papers. Meanwhile, he's showing them to the Russians. So one of it is just like to prove that he was president in a way uh, he doesn't even believe it. That's the most um, safe ex explanation. The other one is this is a guy who badly wants to do business with Russia and Saudi Arabia. Imagine if he says to him, look, man, let me give me a couple of billion dollars and I'll show you like where France keeps their nuclear weapons. And I'll you know, you guys can see all this shit if you do business with me. That would be a real dubious kind of horrible thing. And then the third is just straight out, hey, you guys want to buy this from me? I mean, uh, I could sell it to you, Russia, for like, you know, $50 billion. This is, you'll have, you'll know everyone's nuclear secrets. I mean, who the fuck knows what? So one is like, kind of like, hey, this is cool. I'm the president. And I can prove right. it to people. I guarantee you when people went to Mar-a-Lago, he's like, you want to see cool stuff? I got a whole, look at this. I got a whole top secret box. <laughs> you know, that's just the way he rolls. I don't even think he has any idea what's in those documents. He just wants them. He just wants them. To the point that some lawyer even lied and said, we gave you back all the documents. And uh, it's some crazy shit going on. But I, I don't know how they don't indict the dude. But maybe, uh, maybe again, he'll get away with it. I don't know. I, I think there's a law in this country. And then there's no laws for Donald Trump. I don't know. He gets away with all kinds of shit. Yeah, there's something going on yeah. uh, with the the whole upper echelons of government somehow uh nobody's responsible for what they do but anyway so you couldn't see any trump news because they're busy with the queen and i'm like, happy you know, with the queen news i yeah. really am i'm tired you of like trump. It. and so yeah you know but the things that i can't stand is this new king charles you don't like him when i like watching the queen drive <laughs> across the country but when charles starts to speak I, I have to leave. I have to go away. He's boring. He is boring. He is. And he's goofy. Yeah. He and finally he tries to, got, you know, and he's trying to feel, you know, be kingly. <laughs> but don't you feel like, um, who tweeted this? I saw the funniest tweet. Um, it was, um, oh, I know who it was. Andy Richter. He goes, it's weird. He goes, uh, how did he put it? I'll fuck this up for sure. But I was laughing. He wrote, um, oh, so you mean to tell me Prince Charles gets to be king just because his mother died? Boy, that's nepotism gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> hey, did I tell you who sent me the funniest condolence? It is so brilliant. I got to share this with you. No, you never talked about a funny condolence card. Or note. Well, you know, so many people were nice. When my father died, they sent me notes and everything. I was like, I said, they're probably writing these going, Jesus Christ. 
his dad was 99 years old. What well, I got to write him? A, it's a nah. I mean, you know, he, he had his father his whole life. <laughs> this you isn't know, a you know surprise. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, if, is he really grieving? I mean, uh, come on. But uh, I was. I was grieving. But uh, the best was this. I get a voicemail from the very famous comedian, Amy Schumer. Oh. And man, oh man, this made me laugh. In the midst of my father dying, she goes, Howard, I am so sorry it wasn't my father. <laughs> <laughs> it was the greatest. I was laughing. I I, I wrote her immediately and said, now, you, now that's fucking genius. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> She gave me a good laugh. So That's I nice. thank her for that. Yeah. Yeah. Funny woman. Um, yeah. So getting back to Queen Elizabeth, uh, queen for 70 years. And yeah, my entire lifetime, it was the same queen. And for most uh, she, people's lifetimes. Yeah. 14 U.S. presidents were president. I can't name them all, but she met them all. Here's an interesting fact. She was born in 1926, and the big hit song that year was Valencia by Paul Whiteman. Here it is. Oh. This is when Queen Elizabeth was born. This was the number one song. Valencia, in my dreams it always seems like hear you softly call to me. And weirdly, when she died, I think it was Wet Ass Pussy that was the number one song. <laughs> Did you see the, the um, Cher was getting uh, criticized because she tweeted about the queen. Yeah, she did something weird. What'd she do? Yeah, she was trying to, I think they said say the queen was the goat you know that's the new thing greatest of all time oh yeah and she, instead of you know she used a meme and so instead of putting a goat in she put a cow <laughs> yeah she said the, the queen is a cow and i guess she got in trouble for it some i don't know where you go when you get in trouble but people are yelling at her you know i've got the bit share made a mistake Shares older than the queen, for Christ's uh, sake. Cut her a break. Right up there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know how to use these new gadgets either. By the way, now you know why the Beatles were so important. The Beatles and the Stones. Because <laughs> this was the music they were playing. Valencia, in my dreams it always seems like hear you softly Here's a little fact about this song. This was the... um theme song of Ronnie's prom when he was in high school. <laughs> he danced with it. He did. Valencia <laughs> He yelled 69. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> All right. I don't even know how you dance to that. Dance it. People used to, people used to fuck to that. They put on their Victrola and they'd fuck. That was what you fucked to. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'll give you a little quiz. Who's older? Television or the queen? The queen. That's right. The queen was older than television itself. 1927 television was invented. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal because I think, 
her coronation was televised, and that was a whole big deal. What's older, antibiotics or the queen? Antibiotics. The queen is older than antibiotics. Antibiotics were invented in 1928, Robin. How did she live? I mean, she didn't catch something. She got lucky. Uh, What's older, the queen or sunglasses? Sunglasses. Sunglasses. Think about that. Yeah, you know, you always people always wore sunglasses. Is she older than sunglasses? She is older than sunglasses. Nineteen twenty nine sunglasses were invented. So the queen. Queen. A lot uh, of stuff happened while she was alive. Yep. Want to hear uh, some reaction to the queen dying from people on TikTok? These are from kids, little, you know, young people. Yes, I would love that. Yeah, here's uh, young people reacting on TikTok to the queen's the death. The queen just fucking died, bro. We just figured out that Queen Elizabeth just died. What in the world? No! Like, we're all living in an era of history where, like, we're going to tell our kids and our grandkids that we were alive when the queen ruled and we were alive when she died. Like, that is insane. I literally don't know how we're going to survive this, and I'm not even British. Bro, did you know Queen Elizabeth died? Bro! That's what she gets for killing Princess Diana. Oh. (laughs) Literally, my mom was going to watch The Bold and the Beautiful on CBS. Special report was going to race there, and she's like, oh, no, who died? And then there's the queen inkling, I'm like, no! I'm going to just go cry in the shower now. I can't believe the queen is dead. She was a hero to some. I can't believe the pain of family feels the stress on her son. To lose your mum and be your king, it sounds so mad. But rest in peace to Queen Elizabeth. It is really so sad. Wow, nice mm. poem. It's with all these kids and poems. <laughs> oh, I have exclusive to me that people like they have this automatic reaction, like everybody gets sad, but she really wasn't in your life. You know, she was like, you know, they said that they are expecting greater crowds to file by that body. They, you know, they don't even know how they're going to handle it. So many people are going to just want to walk by that coffin. Well, you know what it is? People feel like the world is crumbling. Traditions are going out the window. There's always chaos in the world. And, you know, when someone who's always been there, they feel like they're being left. They have this feeling mm. like, oh, my God, the queen was our one stabilizing factor. She was a, now she- a stabilizing sport yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. They create a fantasy around what the queen was. It's almost like uh, the God thing. Like, you know, oh, my God, please help me. Help me, God. You know, because you turn to that, that, those institutions when you're feeling like things are out of control. But here, Robin, in an exclusive whack pack reaction to the Queen. Breaking slow news. All right, here's some breaking slow news. Here is Bigfoot reacting to the Queen's death. What do you want to say about the Queen dying? Oh, he died? The Queen died. I know he died. Did you like the queen? I don't even know who he was. What do you want to say to the queen's family? Oh, well, I don't give a shit. I have my own problems. Don't cry over spilled milk. What message of hope do you have for the people of England? Keep smoking joints. (laughs) It's the American way nowadays. Smoke a joint and forget about it. People die every day. Don't cry in your tea, asshole. 
Chip Chip Cheerios. All right, Chip Chip wow. Cheerios for sure. That is special whack pack reaction. Special opinion. Uh, do you want more special opinion about the uh, queen? That was shocking. Yes, let me hear All what right. else the whack pack is thinking about the All queen. All right. The whack pack reacts. <laughs> All right, here is Wendy the slow adult's message to those mourning the queen's death and it was very direct. Wendy, what is your message of hope to the people of England? Uh, sorry about your dead queen. Get over it. We all die sometimes. Stay strong and make sure you vote for Donald Trump. Even though they live in a completely different country? Yeah. Why would you be okay with that? I want I want Donald Trump to win no matter what. Even if he's committing illegal voter fraud? Yeah. Wendy says vote for Trump no matter what. Even if the queen is dead. She's That's a typical a, Trump voter, I think. Yeah, she is. She's very devoted to it. Breaking slow news. By the way, what uh, what is older? The queen or tampons? Oh, definitely the queen. They're right. 1931 tampons were invented. How do you like that? Yeah, I don't think they were... I mean, a lot of people for centuries struggled because there was no real good sanitary um, catch-all for that part. Here's a whackpacker, ass napkin Ed, reacting to the Queen's death. Queen Elizabeth, did you find her attractive? Yeah, she was all right. I mean, I hit that. She was 96 years old. I don't have any age limit, except it goes from... Uh, the legal age all the way up to the, all the way up until, you know, until they kick the bucket. So you would have banged Queen Elizabeth? Yeah. I would have hit that shit, especially with all that money that she had. I would have fucked her ass, too. Ain't no sex. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. And, Look at uh, what she missed <laughs> by going. <laughs> by the way, I did check Ronnie's Twitter feed, and uh, not everyone was affected by the Queen's death. Ronnie, um, he had uh, on Thursday, no he had um, what he was calling both Thirsty and Thong Thursday, shortly after the Queen's death was announced. So there you go. Thong Thursday and nothing about the Queen. Huh. You'd think there'd have been a little pause in the sexual references for no. the queen. I don't know. There's one woman on here. I bet it's transgender. I don't know how much Ronnie checks these things, but <laughs> I don't know. Is there? Is there a? He, they should all be what? Born women? Hey, I don't care. Do what you want. I just don't think Ronnie knows. What are you talking about? I think this woman's transgender. No, she's not. Look at that picture, dude. That is. You don't not think a, that used to be a guy? This one? You don't think that was a guy? Could be. The one, the one that, that they said that's a cock there. I didn't say it was a cock. I, I, I didn't say that. I don't even see a cock there. I just think she might be a formerly a man. That's all. I can't. I can't see which picture that is. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know where to hold it. Let's see. Maybe you could see that. Can you see that? Hold on. Hold on. The, the the chick on the right. Not yeah, the one with yeah, the yeah. ass. Yeah, yeah. 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 Could she's a uh, bodybuilder or something. Oh, is she? All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, but so I put up this picture, and, and right away I got this these people writing me that they fucked with you again, 
she's got a dick and all this kind of shit. She was the highlight of the week. And it was like, she, that's not a dick. It was like a thing on a towel next to her. There's no way okay. it could be a dick. Dude, I don't know. Just looked like um. And if, if like- she did have a dick, believe me, she still was, was highlighted a week. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, that's awfully good. There you go. Chris, yeah. what do you Thank have to you, say? Ronnie. I, I, I appreciate can tell you we, that. Yeah. we did not send him anything recently. I did try to get you to retweet a picture of the queen in a bikini. And oh, I saw that. I saw so that. So you're a little ageist, I have to I, say. I, I saw, I saw the, that bikini picture. Yes, I did. Yeah. You couldn't have thrown, a, thrown the queen a bone? Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something, Ronnie. You never even mentioned her, apparently. But no. I agree with you, Howard. I think that lady is, was uh, formerly perhaps a man. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think could you be don't wrong. really know what's up, uh, Ronnie. Uh, Whatever. Listen. Whatever. Well, she looks great. She looks what great. What she, if, she if she or he puts up a picture... That's hot. I'm putting it up. I don't care. Hey, Ron, would you yeah. blow her? Would you blow her? Blow her. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question. That's, that sounds like a yes. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. I'll give you a little stat. Um, over the summer break, Ronnie tweeted 567 times. So he's way into the tweet thing. He's, he's all in. You're not into TikTok or Instagram. It's all Twitter, right? No, I look, I, I look at Instagram. I don't really post anything. Stephanie's the Instagram person here. Okay. She's posting shit with that dog and please. It's you constant, seem aggravated. No, no, but she's, she's always constantly putting up these videos. And she tries to get me to be in them, and I tell her to take them down. You know? <laughs> right. And I don't want to be bothered with that shit. Here's a good one for both of you. Who's older? The queen or the dildo? Oh, I think the dildo is older than the queen. Really? What no, do you think, I don't Ron? think so. I don't think so. Well, Robin wins. She's right. The dildo wow. is actually yeah. invented before the queen. There you go. Yeah. The people have been okay. using, you yeah! know. All kind of Ronnie, vegetables. You should know that you were there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I'm not old. Dude. I'm not that old, dude. I'm not that old. <clears throat> I want right, to tell you can... something. Hey, guys, uh, you, you have an uh, Imagine Dragons on this week or next week? Yeah, yeah. I went. I went to see their concert here in Vegas. Yeah. On Saturday night, they put on a show that's unreal. Really? I, I mean, that's good. I mean, I never. You know, Stephanie's into them. So that's why we went. It's because she was listening to that music when she was studying for her vet tech thing and all that. So she got, we got an opportunity to go and we went. It, it, it was a great show. These guys are from Vegas too. Really good. I didn't know that. Really good. Well, all right. There's Ronnie saying, uh, Ronnie's Imagine Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Imagine Dragons. Amazing. These dudes are on fire. They're like the, one of the number one acts and they, I, I forgot the stat I was reading. Like they got, Three number ones going currently or something. What was this? I don't know, but who knew Ronnie's going to Imagine Dragons? Look at that. Yeah. Well, I who can I imagine had no, it? Yeah, right. exactly. I had no plan on going, but when you know, had the opportunity to go, and uh, she wanted to go so bad, so we went. It was well, great, guys, but I had a great time. They're coming in. They're going to do a couple of tunes. Drop by oh, cool. and talk to us, and yeah, it should be great. There you go. Um. Well, Mary Ann from Brooklyn, go ahead. 
I love you, Howard. Hi, Ronnie. Anyway, Howard, uh, whatever happened, you started telling us about Jimmy Fallon the other day for Beth's 50th birthday, but you never finished the story. I mean, I don't think I missed it. You said Jimmy um, and his wife. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was in the middle yeah. of a story to Robin, and, you know, for me, I'm hearing my voice played back. Marianne, I'm hanging up on you because you're echoing. Did you hear the echo? Yes, yeah. I did. But it was the greatest thing. So Beth turned 50, which was a big deal. She didn't want to make a big deal, but it was a big deal. So I made a big deal about it. I carried on. And I had some people over. Yes, they were tested. Blah, 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 blah. I love you have a testing uh, setup uh, over there. Is there a special? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I do. I bought the machine. <laughs> I bought the machine to test what? people for COVID. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's right. You heard it here he's, first. He's now a lab tech. You're running yeah. around with a machine? I got the machine. Wow. I got the PCR test machine. Yeah. That's amazing. I've set up a, a, a like, I've, I hired Dr. Fauci full time. He works out of my house. <laughs> that's where, that's why he retired. He's here right now inventing shit. He's at shit. your place. Okay. Absolutely. But um, the story with the Fallons is this. Nancy Fallon, who is uh, Jimmy Fallon's wife, one of the loveliest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, you know, my opinion, she should be hosting The Tonight Show, not not him. But um, <laughs> no, she's one of the nicest people, and she's a producer. She's She's produced a lot of movies, like hit movies and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, Jimmy Fallon's not going to marry some slouch. You know, he's going to... Excuse me? That's right. <laughs> he marries uh, someone who, you know, is a big player in the entertainment business. Okay. Uh, of course. Yeah. That's called a power couple. That's a power couple. Well, they keep and, it kind of quiet. I never hear anybody refer to them as oh, a power couple. That's what they do. The real power couples keep it quiet. Ah. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> anyway, she called me up and said, I want to do something for Beth special for her birthday. What's her favorite songs? Right. So I'm like, hmm, I know some of her favorite songs, but I did some intel. I'm like, you know, oh, I, I, I tricked Beth. I go, what the fuck? You know? These fucking guys who work for me, they keep asking me what my favorite songs are. I can't do that. I can't sit there and make a list. I love too many songs. Can you do that? <laughs> she goes, well, I guess I could do that. I go, well, what are your favorite songs? I mean, I know you like this one and that one. So she goes, well, like this, that, blah, blah, blah. She gives me like 10 songs. Uh-huh. Now, now, I'm busy writing them down surreptitiously because, you know, I was going to say, are you doing that Kreskin thing where you have a little pen in your finger and you're writing down what she says? Yeah, well, it's like, you know, I, I want to be secretive about it so she doesn't figure out what's going on. Uh, little do I know, her favorite her favorite song of all time is this. <laughs> so I get all the intel, and I'm like, I don't know what those two are planning. I don't know what Nancy Fallon and Jimmy are planning, but what is it they want to do for a 50th that involves songs? But at least I got the songs, and I yeah. text uh, Nancy, and I said, I, I, I got Beth's favorite songs. Here they are. You know, what's going on? Oh, you know, I'll call you. I'll tell you what's going on. So... uh I'm like, what the fuck could this be? 
She calls me up. She says, I had this idea. We want to, uh, for your wife's birthday, we're going to get a marching band. And they're going to come to your house and stand on the lawn on Beth's 50th birthday and, pl- and, and, and play all her favorite songs. I went, what the fuck? Now, right away, I'm like, oh, fuck. That's a brilliant idea, but I don't want fucking marching band in my house. Right. Where are they going to be? Yeah, right. Like, 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 what do you mean a marching band? I don't have a football field. So I said, listen, I said, can I get back to you about this? Because now I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about here? How many? She goes, it's like 17 pieces. These dudes are out of Philadelphia. They're a professional marching band. And I'm like, this is mad genius. (laughs) <laughs> but let's face it, that's a lot of droplets pointed right at my face. Oh, yeah. From the COVID. <laughs> she got, So I said, I, I said to myself, you know what? I'm such a fucking stick in the mud. I'm never any fun. I always put the kill on anything good. It's best birthday. All right. Trumpets, trombones, tubas. Those are droplet cannons. That's what I call them. <laughs> But, and they're aimed to, you know, to fly. <laughs> so uh, I called Nancy back and I said, Nancy, we got to do this. This is the most brilliant. This will make my wife so happy. It's the most brilliant thing I ever heard. I can't believe you're doing it. What can I do to facilitate? She goes, you do nothing. I'm a producer. I'm going <laughs> to produce back. this. She yeah. goes, you sit back. I got this. <laughs> Put me in touch with certain people. Blah, 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 blah. And we'll get it done. I said, this is amazing. The look on her face, it's going to be crazy. She goes, don't worry. They're not coming indoors. Be outside, front, blah, 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 you know. But I said, okay. I said, we don't have to go near them and thank them or anything? Nope. Because I don't want to go near anybody who hasn't been thoroughly tested. Yeah, goes, how nope. are you going to test them? She goes, <laughs> yeah, right. She goes, <laughs> she goes, you leave it to me, and uh, we'll get this done. Well, I, you know, a couple of days go by. Beth's starting to get suspicious. How is she getting she goes, suspicious? She goes, well, what was that when you asked me my favorite songs? Uh. What's going on? I go, nothing is going on. What's going on? Well, I said, oh, you know, what? I said, I was just curious. The guys are doing, she goes, no, 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 something's going on. I don't want to be surprised on my birthday. I don't like anyone making a fuss about me. I don't like any, I said, honey, you got to stop. Well, she starts in with me and she's almost in tears. I don't want to be put on the spot. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want, I said, honey, trust me. She knew I was lying about the guys and she goes, you're lying. I, I can see it all over your face. You're up to You're something. You're not a good well, liar. <laughs> so I broke down a little bit. I said, "Look, the people like like Nancy Fallon these want to plan things." So she goes, "I know what's happening." I go, "How do you know what's happening?" She goes, "Jimmy Fallon is going to put me on the spot and start asking me questions about music like a game show and I'm not going to do well with that and I'm going to be embarrassed." And I I I said, no, 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 no. I said, there's nothing. I said, please stop. And I said, you got to stop. You got to, you got to just leave me alone. Well, she was fuming mad. <laughs> well, the day of her birthday comes and, you know, we're there and I go, honey, um, there's a, there's a problem outside with the lawn. You got to come look. 
Well, she walked outside. Marching band was there. They broke into um, Bon Jovi's uh, You Give Love a Bad Name, Billy Joel's blah, 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 whatever her songs were, James Taylor. And these guys were good. I mean, they were a professional marching band. And they were doing the whole thing. With, and they even had Marching, two chicks with them. They're doing the thing and all the, the, this stuff. These yeah. two girls are jumping up and down. They got <laughs> the, the outfits on, everything. And it was the... I never saw a smile on someone's face as big as my wife. And this went on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And they wrapped it up. Didn't even have to go near the dudes. I thanked them from afar. Uh-huh. It was fantastic. That's and we amazing. Danced was the best thing ever was the greatest thing ever it was unbelievable no one had ever i mean i told a friend of mine about it. he goes oh shit now i'll have to top this somehow because my wife will hear about it <laughs> i go i know don't you tell set her the bar high for everybody yeah. else now i said dude don't tell her because you can't beat something like that you know but anyway, wonderful. Weird. Well, I'm yeah. glad we finally that got back dark. to the story. Thank you. Very Isn't that a, that's a mind blowing story? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I thank them profusely. I'm like, hey, look at me. <laughs> I don't know. If my neighbors were thrilled. <laughs> Hi, Katie. You're on the air. Hi, Howard. Hey now. Hey now. I have a question for you. Have you found any weird stuff when you hey clean, were cleaning out your dad's stuff? Because I recently cleaned out my dad's stuff, and I found some weird, weird stuff. Did you Did you listen to the show last week? I did. I yeah, found I mean, financial stuff. Financial found his glass eye. What are you talking about? I already did this rap. I gave you a whole... Well, just... All right, I got to go. What's, did you find any weird? What's weirder than finding your father's glass eye? I don't know what she found. And what could be weirder than that? What, porn? I uh, found my his, father's porn years ago. His, uh, what do they call those beads? <laughs> <laughs> Anal beads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I found my dad's gay incest porn and his collection of Nazi flags. I mean, right, what, I mean, yeah. I've already had the good story on that. What do you want to, you want more weird stuff? How it doesn't get any weirder than that. And the whole rap I did about what am I going to do with the eye? I mean, I mean, how much more, uh, how much more honesty you want from me? She heard all that. She wanted to call One in more. and say, but did you find anything weird? Did you find anything weird? <laughs> Yeah, this collection of Nazi flags. Uh, and then uh, it turns out my dad had the skeleton of the the Lindbergh baby. Ah. Susan, you're on the air in Connecticut. Hi. Hi. Hi, Howard. Hi. Um, I'm a doctor. I see kids with COVID all the time. And I'm exactly like you. And I'm also t taking care of my elderly mom. So I'm super careful. I don't want to bring her COVID. I got the new vaccine on Friday. I got to get that. I'm telling you, I am a nut. They, everyone thinks I'm a nut. We have doctors yeah. with lunches. No one wears a mask. I'm the only one with the mask on. And I don't think I can stop. I don't know. I, I just. Me too. I'm just. I'm, just, I'm caught in a in a loop. I mean, I wanted to go to Pearl Jam Saturday night more than anything, but I didn't want to be in a little theater. With I get the invite from SiriusXM. I'm like, hey, uh, what are you trying to kill me? 
I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> you to get me? See, though. I mean, it's, it's been so hard at the office. You know, kids don't wear a mask. They have COVID. They're coughing. Then the yeah. parent comes with them. They have COVID. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking for that. I, 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 I'm still one of those people who's upset about long-term COVID. They, I'm reading in the uh, paper, one out of three cases, people can't shake the fucking thing. I mean, I'm not looking for that. I'm so, not trying you, to get COVID, but I... Any... Yes, you are. I do think masks work. They I do. keep work. one they on. Do they do. They do good. I, saw I, you wear, with, you I don't know, Robin, I must have seen someone who looked like you standing I next to Eddie Vedder without a, a mask. There was a very small group of <laughs> yeah. people and everyone had been tested and everyone okay. was wearing a pink band. Yeah. Eddie Vedder wrote me and goes, I told you I was tested. Have you had PCRs turn positive? <laughs> me? No. No, I mean, when you test your guests, anyone positive? Yep, yep, yep. We invited, a bunch, we invited a bunch of people over, <laughs> and I said, hey, we're going to test you. Tested them, and someone had COVID. We said yep. goodbye. They went they home. They just had to turn two, around and go back. People. Turn around. People. Can, yep. One person. One person. Goodbye. He goes, wow, well, I didn't know I... My person had hugged my mom, and I'm like, oh, my God, please. And then I tested no. with positive. Yeah. All right. Thank you, How Susan. How many PCR tests have you had? Me? Very few. Yeah. Probably about five. I've only had three. See, you had more tests than me. I go out so yeah. little. There's no reason for a test. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but um, my guest was laughing in a way. So I have a giant catapult on my front yard, <laughs> and as soon as you test positive, you, you go the in the catapult and, and take and a then test, the, and then I eject you about a mile <laughs> with a parachute. All right, Susan, thank you very much. <laughs> with a parachute, that's nice of you. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to kill anyone. I'm a, I'm a decent man. Um. All right, let me take. What should I do? Oh, it's 8.30 already. Fuck it. I'll, you know what, guys? I'm going to break in 15 minutes, take a little breather, and then I'll talk to Rosie. I haven't spoken to her in a long time. Where has Rosie been? Uh, I don't know. I got to talk to her about that. She she bought a place not too far from where I live in Florida. And mm -hmm. uh, then she moved. I don't know. Then she split. So I don't know what's oh. going on. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering that today. So I wonder where she lives now. I think it had something to do with Trump. She doesn't want to be anywhere near him, but I can't. I'm mm. not going to speak for her. Let her talk for herself, which she has okay. no problem doing. So we'll see. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just don't want you to think I'm running around everywhere and I'm running around without a mask and all that stuff. I'm not doing that. I'm. Very, you know what? I'm out of the Robin business now. I'm no, I'm no longer uh, commenting. Look, you, look, uh, you do uh, we your had thing. a long conversation one day. Do what I said, you have, I have to do. To start living my life again. This is ridiculous because oh, I'm just not man. living. Right? You're living I've fine. Had, and I, uh, I know I was existing. I'm, I still exist, but I wasn't. Wait till I. I'm not going to tell it now. Wait till I tell the story on the air what I had to do when I saw that picture of you you sent me. Wait till I tell people that. <laughs> You're never telling that story until I'm after not, I'm gone. Well, man, oh, man, I saved Robin's life. I'm not fucking around.
Uh, I saved her life. Again, you saved my life. You've saved my life several times now. Yeah, but this is unbelievable. When I tell this story on the air, you're not telling that story. Too bad. Thank you. 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 The audience would go wild if they knew how I had to step in. I um, I had to radically step in and get do an intervention with Robin. And it worked oh. because she snapped too, but it, it ain't easy dealing with her. Don't <laughs> so think it's now easy. You're done. You're washing your hands. I'm out of the Robin business. That's you're it. You're not going to save me anymore if I, no. I overstep. If I see you doing something as kooky as what you were doing, I'm just going to keep quiet. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to try kooky stuff just to see if I she can gets, crack you. <laughs> Robin always thinks, you know, she gets into, I'm not going to say what it is. Obviously, she doesn't want me to tell the story because she's too embarrassed. But she was into this fucking weird thing. And she it's started sending weird. me. You know, so she starts sending me pictures of herself doing this weird thing. And I said, holy shit. Let me look into this. <laughs> so I let's just say I consulted with a lot of people about this. And uh well, I won't go any further, but it, she let's just say this: she's not doing it anymore, even though she um paid for uh, many advanced uh, sessions. <laughs> so I got a refund. <laughs> she got a refund. But when uh, it comes down to it, she's sitting here today because of me. That's it. I'm willing to say that. I never would would have said it, but now I'm saying it. <laughs> but um, I did have that discussion. I'm tired of not. Uh, this stuff isn't going away. We have to start no. living again. I agree. I'm going to get there. I'm going to go get that new vaccine. You haven't gotten it yet, the new one? Or you said you did? No, no, no. I haven't. We, we got to both get it. And then we got to yeah. go live a little bit. So we'll see. Let me see. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention, though, before Rosie comes in. Uh, but if I don't get to him today. Oh, number one, Pete Davidson is is a free man. He broke up with Kim Kardashian or she broke up with him. I don't know which it is. Who knows what happened there? I hear that he wanted to concentrate on his career. And I don't know what she was doing. This guy, he's uh, unbelievable with the ladies. And I always hear dudes saying, like, you know, hey, man, what the fuck do Pete, what are the girls seeing Pete Robinson? Or what Pete is it? Robinson? Pete, 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 Peter Robinson. <laughs> Pete, whatever. Peter Davidson. Young dude. Will Robinson. <laughs> I, listen, the dude's a funny dude. He's successful. Dude. For some reason, everyone's like, well, he's not a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. He looks good. He's got a nice physique, muscular. He's a. <laughs> You know, I mean, st- stop it. Like, even I was like, you know, hey, man, how does he get all these girls? I'm like, you know, I should take a good stop look in the it. mirror before I talk about anybody's looks. Stop <laughs> it. I mean, well, I look the like. the one thing I think is funny about Pete is every time he b- breaks up with a famous woman, he goes, I'm not dating famous women anymore. No, no. And then he finds a new one. <laughs> what about you? Would you ever throw your gigantic bra into the ring? Uh, no. to get Pete out. I told no. you, I'm out of, out of, uh, that business. I don't care. I don't care how funny he is. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that dick away from me. Uh, Kim and, Kim and Pete dated for nine months. Everyone's speculating who's going to be next. Maybe Margot Robbie, I was guessing. Oh, nice. Or Drew Barrymore. Or maybe, uh, maybe well, you Emily. are having the Drew Barrymore dial a date, right? 
Yeah, dating game. I'm going to call him and dating ask him if game? he wants. Yeah, she might be too. He might be too young for her. I don't know. I think she's looking for somebody's. You know, I don't know. I don't know what More she's looking serious? for. But Beth and I have some plans on. You know, we already have a couple of people already. It's kind have of have you approached up. people and said, "Would you yeah. be willing?" Yep. Oh yeah. There's many dudes, good dudes, who want her. They want to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. You so said we're on it, dudes. We'll see. Oh, you're going to be fucking jealous. <laughs> you're going to say, "Why doesn't he hook me up with these guys?" <laughs> sure. You're going to say, "No." I'll tell you what. I wish I could tell you about one of them, but I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> now, what are you going to do? Are you doing the bachelor thing? Where you have to have a diverse group of bachelors? Oh, I hadn't even thought about it. You mean race? Yeah, well, uh, diversity is the thing now. Well, You've got to have diversity. Well, I'm thinking what? about these Drew three guys. Drew is only guys. interested in what, what kind of guys? I don't know. I don't know that it's diverse. I mean, it's not like The Bachelor where you can pick 25 guys. This is just three guys. So, no, it's not that diverse. But That diverse? Um, is it diverse at all? Well, they're three different human beings. I mean, no. I'm thinking so much that um, that it would be four guys because I got so many guys interested in Dayton Drew Barrymore. You know who came to me who I said, absolutely not. Like, I've turned down a ton of dudes because they're not right for Drew, in my opinion, in Beth's opinion. Well, how do you know it's right for Drew? We have a feeling. That's why I'm doing this. I told you, I feel I know who she should be with. And already I got... You know, I already got three great guys. I'm holding off on the fourth because. So who comes to me wants a date? Drew is uh, Benji. I said, Benji, no fucking way. A, she's not into you. B, you're too kooky. You're, I thought that's... he was interested in somebody. He wants to throw his hat in the ring or is that oh, yeah. a shtick? Well, he won't throw his hat in the ring because he doesn't want anyone to see his bald head. <laughs> that's right. He never oh. takes it off. <laughs> yeah. But I said no to Benji. He turned him down. But he asked. That's that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Benji, I don't know. All insulted. Why Benji doesn't qualify? <laughs> I wonder who these why? other guys are who made the cut. Would you go out with Benji? <laughs> well, we know that I won't even <laughs> let Benji visit me in the hospital. So <laughs> you were dying, and you wouldn't let Benji in the hospital to say goodbye to you. <laughs> Benji's thin now, but he's still annoying, so no! I wouldn't allow it. And I'm sorry. I mean, the name was presented to me, Benji, and I put an immediate no on it. I just know that we would connect no! very well, Drew and I. Yeah, maybe you would. That's up to you, yeah. but not for this dating game I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You're going to have to find your own way to Drew, not, th- not this one. Right. Oh, that's it. Okay, Benji. Thank you. I was thinking um, Pete Davidson could go out with Emily Ratajkowski, that that beauty. Now, there you go. There's another woman. She was just here not too long ago talking about her book, and now mm-hmm. she's getting a divorce. That's right. So that would be a good match up there. Uh, I started watching Cobra Kai, which is the uh, on Netflix. That's the Karate Kid uh, series they do with is Ralph this the Macchio. Final season? I don't know. But I'm watching that. I heard that it had been canceled. Oh, okay. I like that. I like like Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. I mean, it's kind of like the Queen Latifah being the equalizer. You look at Ralph Macchio. This kid looks like he's on his last legs. I mean, he's got big bags under his eyes. Looks, he doesn't look all that healthy, but he's beating up people. 
beating up guys like five times more ripped and and uh, more adept at karate than he is. He doesn't even look like he can walk all that well. But wasn't that the whole thing? Pat Morita, who played his sensei, mm. didn't look like a guy who could beat anybody up. Yeah, but Pat Morita had a certain like I know solid quality to him. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, John Hines says it's not true. It has not been canceled. It's a very okay. popular series on Netflix, and I enjoy That's it. That's what I thought. Hit him with the Hine. I particularly like uh, Ralph Macchio and that guy who um The guy places. who used to be uh, yeah, that guy. enemies with. Right. That's good. A couple other things. Um, i got about five minutes before I'm going to break. And... Let me see what's in the fan feedback. Some of the fans wrote us. Let's see. Oh, here's a guy. You know, you said bury my father's eyeball at uh, Belmont Racetrack. Here's a guy. This guy wrote, I'm the director of marketing at Belmont Racetrack. Oh. Sorry, sorry to hear about your dad. Um, one of my colleagues heard Howard's thoughts of potentially burying his father's glass eye at the Belmont Park. I, I said, Dude, I'm the one. Robin suggested that. I said that's ridiculous and silly, and I'm never going to do that. If it's something your team wants to pursue, I would like to set up a call to better understand his family's wishes to see if this is possible to accommodate. Very nice of them, but... You're not going to consider it? No. no You're not no, no. throwing him in the ocean? No, no. It's all getting too morbid for me and sad. And, oh. Well, what are you going to do? Just leave it in a drawer? That right now, that's all I'm, I'm capable of doing. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, uh, keep this information when you come to your set. Yeah. He loved the racetrack. Yeah, that's okay. He could, you know, what? he would he would be <laughs> up he would be very upset if he knew that's where his eye was. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it might be inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! But although it would be a great for the air, I mean, we do a whole ceremony, a burying ceremony. You know, I'm awfully proud of myself. For once, I'm like not doing a bit that would be good for the radio. I know. Come on, we have an honorary race, the whole thing. Might upset my kids too. You know. Uh, oh, let's you're see. coming to your senses. This is terrible. I know. I got a ton of feedback from people about Ronnie, uh, the, the limo driver, and Gary Delabashai oh, about, yeah. um, you know. Their fight? Yeah, their little fight. Some people think Ronnie was right. Some people think Gary was right. Uh, if you remember, Gary and Ronnie were out in L.A. Delabashio. And they, um, you know, they ran into this guy from Selling Sunset, Jason Oppenheim, which is a reality show. And uh, Ronnie wanted to go over and say hi to the guy. Gary goes, no, 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 no. Let me do the introduction. And it turned into a fucking fiasco. Gary stood up in the middle of the restaurant when the guy was leaving. And he goes, uh, hey, look who's here. Ronnie from the Howard Stern Show. He wants to say hi to you. He's a big fan. You know, it was, like, it was an embarrassing moment for sure. Yeah. All Ronnie wanted to do is just walk over to the guy and say hi. He wasn't even going to say Howard Stern Show. Just like, hey, I'm a fan, big fan of yours. And that would have been cool. Yeah, they they, ha they could have had a car conversation because Ronnie knew he was into this kind of car or something. Well, any case, I'm on Team Ronnie with this one. 
Uh, Howard, uh, I'm on Team Ronnie for this one. Ronnie saying Gary was trying to produce him on the spot. Good job. Ronnie on calling out Gary for being self-centered and an attention whore. It was a long time coming. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Gary needs to stay in his lane. He doesn't need to produce Ronnie after hours. He thought he could big-time Ronnie with his celeb status out in Hollywood. But at this point, we all know Ronnie is the biggest star. Gary's ego is out of control. Mm. Uh, but Gary had a lot of supporters, too. I think Ronnie's wrong about Gary taking over conversations that he's in. Gary just loves to talk a lot. <laughs> He'd take over anyone's conversation. This is not Ronnie-specific. Who the fuck is Ronnie? He's nothing more than a foul-mouthed geezer who hates life. Ronnie is merely a player. Gary is a star. Wow. Ronnie is so paranoid. Gary was simply making an introduction. It was actually nice of him to do. Chill out on the weed, dude. Finally, uh, this one in support of Ronnie. Gary is a douche. Signed, Mary Delabate. Wow. Well, that's not nice. <laughs> douche. <laughs> bunch of people congratulated benji on his weight loss as i do too i'm proud of benji getting his Yeah, benji you know, looks good i keep look, every good. time he shows up i'm like boy he looks good so one listener said uh benji's uh lifestyle healthy change i'm congratulating now that his body is thinner is his cock thinner too i don't think so benji's got a pretty big penis i've seen it he used to really? go around naked yeah you've seen it too when we were at the playboy mansion doing a show a hundred years ago benji just stripped down and went into the pool in the grotto oh and, i must have um, blocked that out it's kind of it was kind of like this thick i didn't block it out i always check out guys penises not because i'm gay but because i i feel i have tremendous penis envy i i have i just am not happy with the look of my penis compared to the rest of my body should be bigger thicker it's just not great it's just not great. It's not what it should be. Like even in that department, the only thing Suppose really nice you had a really good looking penis. Oh my god! But it didn't work. Oh no no! I don't want that. I, I want it to work. It's really important to me. Banging is real important to me. High priority. So um, you're happy that this one works? Oh yeah, yeah I am. And you know, I told you, it, I've, I've measured many, many times. It's, I'm, I'm a full six inches erect. Mm -hmm. But Benji, if I could describe his penis, I would describe it as a thick mushroom cock. Like he's got the wide, big head, really? but it's not long. No, it's just like it looks like Benji, his penis. <laughs> and uh, so I, I would guess probably looks a little better and bigger next to his thinner body. Uh, Howard, Benji annoys me no matter what size he is. I don't care if he's skinny or fat. Now that I've seen the video of him, I prefer him fat. His thin face over-accentuates those meatball eyes. Some people <laughs> feel meatball eyes are too uh, You big. can't win with some people. Howard, Benji looks disgusting either way. Would he get a plastic surgeon to help lift his saggy flesh now that he lost so much weight? I don't think that's the plan. I think Benji's embraced his new body and he's working on it and... Let's be encouraging. Leave it at that. And finally, uh, before I take a break here, Bobo's ultimate question. After a whole summer of planning, Bobo called in with an ultimate question. 
what in life has made you a great communicator? The audience, uh, 100% was not impressed. I couldn't find anyone impressed with Bobo's question. The moment Bobo put his crayon to paper, it goes from a legal pad to a maxi pad. He should be arrested by the idiot police for 900 counts of pure stupidity. (laughs) After listening to the so-called ultimate question, it's clear that Bobo seriously needs to work on his material. Good grief. Just keep this it simple. This is after working on his material. <laughs> A whole summer. What do you with... want? <laughs> um, Bobo got help from celebrity friends. Uh, Ike Barinholtz, Fred Armisen, Andy Richter, Jeff Probst, Michael Rappaport. And uh, everyone thought that all of the coaches did great yeah. in terms of giving Bobo advice. Howard, I'm dying over Ike Barinholt saying, Bobo, I'd like to see my children grow. I also spit out my tea that he mis- he mistook Ike Barinholt for Eric Andre. Too funny. So there you go. <laughs> I have some bonus clips and things of uh, Bobo being coached. And Jeff the Drunk complaining. Do I have time, guys, for two seconds here real quick? Here's a bonus clip about uh, this is Bobo's uh, coaching session with actor Michael Rappaport. It was about me playing Dr. Doom, but Bobo couldn't get the name right. Here you go. This is real quick. Bobo's bonus question. Do you have any other questions? Of course. Yeah, I have other questions. Shocking. Go ahead. Would you say that memorizing a script for a movie is no different than when John Hine preps you for a guest? Because he's always talking about, if you know, when he has a guest on, oh, I don't know how you can memorize those lines. But he's doing the same thing with a guest. Where John Hine comes in and tells him, and he just memorizes it verbatim with no sticky notes, nothing. So when he does this Dr. Zoom project, he's probably going out of his mind trying to memorize stuff, but he does the same thing. So what do you think of that question? Who, who, who is Dr. Zoom, Bobo? He's a villain. In, in what? What is this? Is he, is he Dr. Zoom? Not this, is Dr. Doom. You said Dr. Zoom. I, I thought I said Dr. Doom. Okay, Bobo, let me give you my suggestion. I would like ask a conversation, like a conversational thing, like these things that you're asking Howard, they're not connected to each other. They're not conversational. They're too, in a weird way, they're too specific. Yeah. All right. But anyway, that was good advice. All right. Look, let me take a break. Thank you for writing in. And there you you have it. Jeff, the drunk complaining, you're going to move past that. Yeah, well... Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Jeff can't believe that Bobo got all this attention, that he should have gotten all these conversations with the celebrities. I know Bobo's working on something this summer called his ultimate question. Yeah, I know. He's getting help from fucking everybody. What the fuck's up with that? So you're upset by that? Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Why should Bobo have writers? And I don't. What the fuck's up with that? Do you think you could come up with a better question than Bobo if you had people working with you? Most definitely. You don't think Bobo's a good caller? I think Bobo's a good nothing. I think Bobo is good at nothing. Who would you like to work with? I would like to work with John Stamos, Terry O'Connell, and um, George Takei. There you go. Wow. So, yeah, there was a lot of... And, Bobo, uh, I know you took a, a beating from the fans, but, uh, okay, you're a good sport. There you go. How's that? Okay, yeah, Bobo? Yeah, you know, I love the fans, Howard. You know, I don't expect everybody to like my questions. A lot of people do. They hit me up all the time, and there's people that don't. You know, I'm okay right, with there it. There it is. Bobo says some people like... He's controversial. Some we people like We only hear him. from the people who don't like his questions. <laughs> How is that? Why is that, Robin? <laughs> I don't know. All right.
right. Thank you, Bobo. I got to move on because I'm going to have a conversation with Rosie O'Donnell, who I haven't spoken to in a while, and I'm actually anxious to. Uh, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I'll get to everything else I mentioned, Robin, tomorrow. Okay. Because uh, I got a plan. Don't worry about it. Everything is under control. Rosie's um, here promoting her new series on uh, called a, Showtime. Uh, Showtime American Gigolo with John Barenthal and Rosie O'Donnell. She's very good in it. And, she plays and it's very sexy. And very sexy. He's and, awesome. Yeah. Well, I've only seen like most of the first episode because they sent it to me on that fucking <laughs> Pix app, and I can't. I, uh, I'll, I'll I'll explain later, but anyway, uh, we'll be back right after. Oh, mattress firm, here I'm back. All right. Anyway, Rosie O'Donnell. I haven't spoken with Rosie, and I don't know how long. Do I, you I know last... how long it's been? Well, I know I spoke to her about two and a half years ago on the radio, but uh, personally, Rosie and I we haven't talked personally, which I oh. always look forward to. But I don't know. Rosie disappeared on me. I convinced her to move near me in Florida, and then she left me. Got <laughs> some nerve. Was that a mistake, Rosie? <laughs> well, he was he, he was dangerously near Donald Trump. So what could a girl do, right? <laughs> you know that is the most amazing thing about you, I think, and this is why I admire you. We, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Like you went to the trouble of buying a house. You enjoyed that house. I know you loved that house. Yes. And you called me and said, you know what? I love this house, but I look out into my backyard. I can see where Trump lives. Yeah. I across the water. I can see. And, and I'm not going to, I don't want to see that. It just disturbs me. And you, and you just picked your ass up and left. Exactly. It's- <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, after seeing your house, my house didn't really do it for me anymore. But, uh, that was, you know, I had house envy in a major way. Well, we yeah. were, you know, we were there and it was just, it's a very Trumpy town, that that area. And it everywhere is. I went, people had a comment. Oh, so you oh. still don't like Donald and he's the president. I'm like, oh, my God, do I have to live with this? Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, you and I have lost touch. You know, I did text you. Did you? Um, yeah. And then you didn't text me back. And I said, oh, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe. No, know, listen, maybe. if I'm mad, Howard, you're going to know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but I'd I was just like, oh. go, "What the hell?" You? No, I, I moved to L.A. Um, uh, about. I was a, shocked. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was I got this gig on this uh, TV series, and my counselor, sort of learning teacher for Dakota, who has autism, said to me, "Where are you shooting?" And I said, "Culver City." She said, "That's where the school is that I believe she would do best in." So it was like a really weird convergence of all these things. And I talked to my older kids and I said, you know, she can't read. She's very articulate, but she has some learning issues and some social issues. And I'm going to go do this and live there with her for third grade and do this series and see what happens. Wow. In that one year, she learned to read. So she's now at grade level and, and beyond and. She's uh, doing so well that it it was shocking. So after third grade, I said, so what do you think? Do we go back to New York? She goes, let's try fourth grade. I'm like, okay, let's try fourth grade. So I rented a house in Malibu on the ocean for way too much money. Oh, my God. How much does it cost to rent a place in Malibu? That's like the most expensive real estate in the world. Do you know what happened, Howard? I hit 60. And I said to myself, my mom didn't hit 40. Look at all this extra time I've had. I looked at the cost of it. I didn't want to buy it because it's in the millions and millions. And I said to my brother who does my money, Tim, 
What do you think about this? He's like, what are you out of your fucking mind? You're going to lose all this money. You're so stupid. You, I said, okay, but it's my money. And in the end, right. I'm going to do it. So I, I rented it as a birthday gift to myself and my daughter. We're going to spend a, a year on the beach in Malibu and then decide, is that where we want to live? Is that where we're going to buy a house? Is that what Rosie, we're going to Mal- And in one way, I could see Malibu being your scene in yeah. the sense that, look, you enjoy other celebrities. You've been famously uh, known to hang out with Madonna and things. You like people in the business, and it's fun for you. On the other hand, I could also see it being tremendously oppressive. Yeah. It's kind of all about the business. It's all about hanging. I've been to Malibu once or twice, and like I had a blast. But, man, is it intense. It's like, what do you do? What do you do in the business? Blah, 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 blah. It's all showbiz all the time. Well, I really? haven't I haven't found that. You know, Ricky Lake lives there. Right. Kathy Griffin lives there and Rita Wilson lived there. So these are three of my friends that are literally within a 10 minute drive. So Fran Drescher comes over to dinner twice a week. She brings wow. her dog. The dog puts their paw footprints all over my white furniture. But <laughs> she's there, you know, and it feels a lot like the beginning of my career. Right. It feels like just the start where you only know a few people. It's not, I don't go to parties, as you know, I don't go right. to any kind of big social function. So for me, getting the intimate one on one time with 30 year plus friends is, you know, really valuable. Fran Drescher comes over twice a week for dinner. At least. Kathy Griffin. I didn't know you were so close with her, but then I was watching you on the Mary Trump podcast, which was very interesting. I want to talk to you about that. But. I was watching you and you said, hey, I'm doing some stand up. Maybe I'm working on some things. I'm thinking of going out with Kathy Griffin. I didn't know that you were that close with her. Well, I really wasn't. Truthfully, we only became closer uh, recently. You know, I, I never was a fan of Joan Rivers. I never liked that kind of kind of comedy. So, you know, but as a person, I got to know her and I find her very uh, vulnerable and very, you know, I feel like her big, tough, gay sister that wants to take care of her, you know, and she had some serious health issues yes. recently, and she lost her voice. Her vocal cord is paralyzed on one side, so she can't project very well. And I was asked to do a benefit for a women's sober house in L.A., and Kathy's yeah. been sober now for two years. And I would say it's since that happened that she and I have gotten to be friendly and uh, I love her husband Randy and I love that when she's a little bit you know not in a good place I'm five minutes away I'm always home with my kid and she comes and sits and calms herself down and you know she's going through some some tough stuff and she's a very good honest clear friend in her sobriety and do you worry with her and I used to say this to her because she'd come on my show all the time. I'm, I, I, I like Kathy Griffin very much. But I'd, she'd say to me, Howard, how come you never invite me over your home? I go, because Kathy, you go on stage and then tell everybody everything everyone did. Yes. I, and I said it cost you your friendship with Brooke Shields and blah, 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 blah. She goes, I know. I go, so why would I invite you over? She goes, oh, don't be ridiculous. But do you worry about that when she comes over that she's like she's coming up with new material about what goes on in your house? Well, you know what was interesting? Um her last special where she talked about the issue with Trump, when right. when she uh, held up that head, I called her right away and said, yeah. take it down and apologize. 
because that's what our enemies do to us. They cut off Daniel Pearl's head not too long ago. Let's not emulate the terrorists. And I told her the whole thing. And she said, "Okay, you're right. You're right. And she hung up. What came out on her special was, you know, I put up the head and Rosie called me and said, Kathy Griffin, the crazy people are after you. I said, oh, shut up, Rosie. And I hung up and, you know. I was watching it going, this is the opposite of what the fuck happened. You know, so um, <laughs> shortly after that, she got very sick with cancer. Right. right. And so I never got a chance to talk to her about it until about a month ago. And she came over and I told her and she said, can I make amends to you? You know, which is part of the 12 step program. And she is so really committed to her health now in in mental health physical health spiritual health uh that i see someone who is so so able to change what was her destiny in her mind there's one thing that i got to get through to her head is that at 60 it's not over i think she thinks because her parents are gone and her sister died and she thinks that you know well i've had a good life i'm like kath I love you so much. It's too early to be thinking you've had a good life at 60. I mean, she's 61. It's. Do you know what, though? That happens. It's weird. Like, I'm around my mother now who's, like, going through hell, and her old age is horrible. You start to feel like, oh, my God, it's, it's like a horrible thing, and, 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 and the future is horrible, and it's just sickness. And, and I guess Kathy yeah. going through cancer and everything, Correct. she must be freaking out. And she, she misses her parents so much. She misses them. They were part of her daily life and part of her, you know, when, and her mom had dementia towards the end, which was very difficult. Um, mm. But she's become such a loving person. You know, still to this day, Howard, when I put on my TikTok, hey, I'm going to do Howard Stern, people go, oh, no, he's so mean. I'm like, no, no, where you been? <laughs> The, guys, the guy hasn't been mean for two decades. What do you what do you um what do you think it is about you as a human being? I have my theory on this about you. Okay, go. You you are attracted to helping women in real big trouble. Like I mean, I remember the story about you with Martha Stewart when she was, you know, at her lowest, she went to jail. You came out, you defended her, I think, on The View, and you said, listen, if this was a dude, he wouldn't be going to jail. Right. She heard about it. She asked you to come to jail and visit her. And, like, I can point to about 10 women who have been in trouble where you immediately rush to their side, like in a big way. I mean, you're a pretty busy person, but yet you do it. And I think there's something psychological about you losing your mother at a young age. So true. And you get to like, like these women almost become like your mother in trouble and you're going to save them. It's so true, Howard. I think my therapist and I talk about that a lot about, you know, even when it's personal people that I know, I always reach out a hand. You know, I didn't know Martha Stewart, but I wrote her an email before she left and she had done my show a couple times. But right. we were, we had never had dinner. I didn't have her home phone number. So I sent her an email saying, if you ever need anything in prison, please let me know. And two months later, her assistant called me and said, would you please go visit her? And, how weird was that? Well, you want to hear how silly I am? I thought it's prison. I didn't take a shower. I had like a dirty, you know, like I was trying to look as, as low key as I could. <laughs> and I walk in there and she walks through the door like she's in a Scavulo photo shoot. Her really? hair has Joe Len cream bleach <laughs> that she told me she got at the commissary. She cinched 
her orange jumpsuit and she cuffed her like she looked fantastic <laughs> and i looked like you know her homeless cousin like, from utah you look like you were in prison <laughs> exactly and she oh. and i said to her because you know i didn't know her very well at all and i said to her what right. do you miss the most besides your daughter and your animals obviously and she said the flavor of lemon <laughs> and I said, the flavor of lemon? Why didn't you tell me? I would have shoved one up my hula. Come on. I would have got a lemon in here. That would have been nothing for me. Oh, but my God. I, and like- so when she came back from prison, Howard, you know what I did? I flew in a lemon tree from Capri. Because it wow. was the winter. And I had it on her front porch for when she came back. And then I never heard from her again. How weird is it that you never heard from her again? I mean... I mean, I you, I mean, how many celebrities, you, how many people, forget celebrity, how many people you think went and visited her and took care of her like that and sent her a lemon tree? It's, what is that? I don't know. I just feel like I want to, when, when I feel people have suffered greatly, I want to drop grace on them if I can. So right. I, I feel like, you know, if you've your whole life been suffering and things were really bad and, and you made a mistake. I I want to give you the opportunity to recover, you know? I'm thinking, here's some people you reached out to. Roseanne Barr. Yes. After she got in big trouble, like blew up her career. She was having a whole role with the Roseanne show coming back on. And she made those comments about Valerie Jarrett. But you, like, you reached out to her. Um, right after she did it. I called her up and said, please um, go to the hospital. Check yourself in. There's right. something wrong and we'll figure out what it is because this is not you. And this did she is, get a, did she get offended by that no. or did she say no? She did not get offended. And she knew where I was coming from. I love her. I've always loved her. I know she's had some mental challenges and been very open about it at a time when people haven't been. And before anyone was, you know, really exposing themselves fully like that she was brave and courageous and you know comedically the woman was a genius and is a genius if her comedy turns you on not joan rivers because why she was a punchline comic like you know she didn't tell stories about her but why not i thought it was mean i thought joan was a little mean you know we made a um healing towards the end by kathy griffin Kathy Griffin's, you know, Joan would sometimes say to her, I don't understand, Rosie, what, you know, at the very beginning of my career, my first movie, League of Their Own, I did a Vanity Fair play, a big thing in Vanity Fair, and there was, I had on a man's pajama top, no bottoms, the bottoms were on the guy who was the dresser, who was ripped and gay, and I was sort of hugging him and looking a scared. This is my first photo shoot, my first big thing. I did what they said, right? And it was a cute picture. I still have it. Joan Rivers went on and said, oh, please, Rosie O'Donnell doesn't want that boy. She wants Katie Lang. And it was at a time where yeah. I was like, what the f- is happening now? What is she doing? You know? And to sort of out me in, in 19, you know, 92. Right. That's like before right. Katie Lang was even out, I don't think, you know. <laughs> right. So, Katie Lang was dating guys. Exactly. So <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I had a little bit of an issue with that. But but it was mostly my mom telling me, you know, this is not funny comedy. This is someone who's being mean at other people's expense. How far did you go? Uh, did you date guys when you were in the closet and you did date a guy? One. Michael was Dumas. It, was it, was it, is he a famous guy? Should I know no, who that no, no, is? No, no, no. It was just a guy. From New Jersey, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. 
and and he was um into you and yeah. you don't and and you were with him i mean yeah uh, for about a year and a half he was six foot four irish one of eight kids twin was it horrible sister. no it wasn't imagine. horrible it how was, could it not be how could that not be miserable for you you listen, love women I know, but I had only been with a few women before I dated him, and I dated him when we were filming League of Their Own. So, you know, it was a very interesting thing. Here's uh, League of Their Own, and I'm dating this guy, and and then I realized afterwards, I uh, I can't do this, you know? It was the, the, thing. the actual sex part was what I couldn't do. The making out, the living with, the loving him, all that was good. But then when it came to like in the morning and he was excited, I was out of the bed before I could even wake up. Of course, because here's what I liken it to. If the if the planet suddenly was reversed and being heterosexual was this, you know, thing that has everyone up in arms, religious people, this and now I'm hiding my heterosexuality. So in order to do in order to be accepted, I have to now make love to a man. Right. If you told me I had to make love to a man, I don't, I mean, I'd go out of my fucking mind. I couldn't do, I mean, you know, you do what you have to do, but that's horrible. It's, it's like, it's like the worst sentence in the world for Rosie O'Donnell to have to sit there well, and fuck some dude. Here's the truth. I only had one, two girlfriends before I met him. I had right. slept with two women and the last relationship I had had been eight years. So from like 21 to 28, I met this guy at 28. And I was like, God, he's like perfect. You know, he was yeah. tall and Irish and played tennis and was kind and I trusted him. But I had all of this residual, unresolved stuff about abuse in my life and about uh, trusting men. And I, I didn't trust him. My, my sister was over with her little daughters, three and five, and I wouldn't let him sleep over. He's like, why? And I'm like, I just don't feel comfortable. I couldn't have said at that point. Because it reminds me of when I was a kid and grown men were, you know, scary in the night. And I couldn't have put the words to it yet because I hadn't worked through it in therapy. But I knew instinctually that I didn't want him around the babies, you know, and it was nothing about him at all. And he was so kind. And a lot of the abuse started coming up as a result of dating him. And he held my hand through it and helped me. And, you know, it it was a very, very loving, loving guy. But I knew in the end that I was gay and I couldn't continue. What makes me sad when you talk about this kind of stuff for eight years of your life, you're not in a loving relationship with a woman. You're a young woman. I mean, those would have been a great eight years. And instead, you're sentenced to like misery. And I'm not saying it was horrible or anything, but I'm sure when you look back on your life now, you go, wow, for eight years, I had to put up with this shit. No, it was eight years with a woman. Okay. And then I met Michael and we were together for a year and a half. Oh, okay. All right. right. It was eight years with a woman that was not a relationship that was working out well for me. And we had broken up and I was at a comedy club and he was in the front row uh-huh. and he was kind of heckle flirting. And I was like, are you flirting with me? Or are you heckling? What are you doing? And he right. was like, uh, I think a little of both. And afterwards, he came up to me and said, I'd like to take you to dinner. And I was like, oh, uh, uh. and uh, I didn't know what to do. And then he kissed me. Good night. And I walked the wrong way out the door. Like I was so kind <laughs> of woozy. Wait, wait a minute. What, what just happened? You know? <laughs> and uh, so we dated a little bit. Then we broke up. Then I moved to L.A. And I'm not kidding you, Howard. Two months into L.A., I walk into a store and who do I see shopping at the store but him? He's like, I just moved to L.A. And so then we started dating. That was right when I was filming League. 
Oh, my God. And when he probably, you know, nice guy, a whole thing. But when it gets romantic, you're probably like, how do I change the subject? You no, know you I know, mean? it was, yeah, it was just, uh, there was an uncomfortableness. There was a uneasiness, you know, that, I mean, I think most people are on the spectrum sexually. I think you're pretty much on that hetero side, you know, and I am not like a 50 50 when people say, oh, mm-hmm. I could date either. No, no, I'm like a, a 95 five and he got right. in that 5%, you know? Yeah. 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 But yeah it's, it's weird. Do, do you, um, God, I just can't imagine you with a guy. It's yeah. just like so strange to me. And it's just awful in a way. It's it's ridiculous. But getting back to this whole thing of redemption, like for women, like like women who have screwed up and you're there for them. Yes. I find that very admirable. I really do. And I and it makes me think like, how would you like I don't know if you know Louis C. K., for example. I've never like, met he, him. Never met him. Like, like, would I reach he... out to him? No way yeah. in hell. Why? Uh, because he's the abuser in my mind. No. And, you know, there were Lindy England. Remember her from the Abu Ghraib trial? Yeah. There was uh, this woman. There were all these men and one woman holding a leash of a naked prisoner who was being tortured. The only person who ever paid for the Abu Grave, but with jail time, is Lindy England. So I was in Miami, and I called, and I invited her and her friend and her son to my house. I wanted to try to help her, you know, and to my big house in Miami. And she came there and stayed and was very overwhelmed and didn't quite know what you're saying. Why did I want to help her? And I couldn't explain to her exactly why. I just said, it's so unfair that she was abused by this man who was in charge, who was the sergeant or lieutenant or whatever, and she was the younger one, and they were in a dating relationship, and he told her what to do, and she's the only one who got in trouble for all that torture in Abu Ghraib. Here's here's a story that I know about you. Tell me if it's true, because this shows me where you put your money where your mouth is. So you've been a vocal critic, as I have, of Woody Allen. Yes. Uh, you still don't understand why people work with him and, right. and, you know, because of all of the, uh, the abuse and blah, 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 that he's been accused of. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> and you're friends with Mia Farrow and you've, you know, you've looked into this thing. So when you had your talk show or maybe it was when you had the view, you came out very strongly against Woody Allen and you said, I don't understand why people work with him. And you were really vocal about it. Like there was no mincing words. Right. Like, hey, this is shit. Which I admire. That's how you feel, and you did it. So the bizarre story I heard is you get a call from a casting person that says Woody Allen wants you for one of his movies after yes. you've done all this. Right. The sweet. You, I, it was called The Sweet Lowdown with Sean Penn, and I and had done were, an HBO special where I said everything about him, and then I got on my show. So it's the first year of my show. And I get a call, and they said, he wants you to be in the Sweet Lowdown. I said, please send him my HBO special. And the woman said, oh, he's already seen it. I said, send it anyway, with two words, fuck and no. And I sent it to him. And they called back and said, he really wants you to do it. He'd like to talk to you about it. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not working for him or with him or being associated with him. And the same thing happened with Michael Jackson. Not that he wanted to work with me, but we were at a wedding and his guards came over and said, he'd like to speak to you. I said, I'm not interested. He'd like to speak to you. I I really don't want to. And finally, they said, he's going to come over here. I said, well, tell him not to, because I'm a member of the Children's Defense Fund and I believe every accusation against him. 
and he didn't come over. See, this is what I admire about you. You know, a lot of people, myself included, might crumble in those situations. Mm. You get kind of like, oh, you know, geez, it's Woody Allen is a genius. There's no question. Mm -hmm. He's the most prolific mind as a writer and this and that and the other thing. And the thought of being in one of his movies can be like an aphrodisiac to somebody in show business. Right. It's seductive. But what I wonder about and what you what maybe you thought about, why is Woody being so insistent? Do you think he was trying to buy your friendship at yes. the even at the cost of a movie? Like, like yes. I got to I got to win her over. I've got to seduce her and make her my friend. Well, this is the way I became friends with Mia Farrow, because she heard that story. And she called me to see if it was true. And I said, oh, yes, it's true. And she started to cry and said, you know, even my closest friends didn't stick behind me during this. And that here you did a, your HBO special and now you did this and I'm forever in your debt. I'm like, you're not in my debt at all, but you are my friend. And I've admired you for years and what you've done with your life and how you've taken children that were unadoptable in most cases and severely handicapped in other ways and taken them in and had 13 kids that, you know, and, and Woody Allen is the good guy and she's the bad guy in what universe, you know, in right. what universe? Yeah, I mean, at the very least, forget about the um, the allegations about the, the youngest child, but the idea of marrying the daughter. Uh, you know, that's Sunyi. That's that's provable. That's like that's what I said. I I used to say in my act. So Kelly can marry Parker when he turns eighteen, right? Is that how it goes? That she was the other mother in the family. He was definitely the dad in that family. Oh, but I didn't live there. Yeah, you were there all the time. You were the male figure, the patriarch of that family, and you know it. And all those kids knew it, and you fucked one of them. That's what's wrong with this, Woody. I don't care. She was an orphan on the streets, and she got taken into this house, and here's the first semblance of family and, and life and love, and he betrayed all of those boundaries. And there were naked pictures of her before she was 18. Do you think she turned 18 and then he got a boner? No, I don't. She was a young girl in that house, and he groomed and abused her, as pedophiles do. I'm amazed, though, that like he kept after you to do this move no matter i saw the special like yeah. that doesn't bother me yeah doesn't bother me at all yeah um, it bothered him yeah. and you know it bothered him that he couldn't use his weight to entice someone over to his side because you know he had a lot of uh he had a lot of people under his spell and you know it's kind of like what amber heard said about johnny like you know the the show business world Revered him because of his prolific writing and his, you know, direction of stuff like Annie Hall. But when it got into him with young girls, which many of his things did, and when you read just about who he is and what his life is, and, you know, I, I um, was at an event where I had to present Matilda Krim an award, and I was following Bill Clinton, who was giving someone else award. It was like one of those big, big things. And first of all, Bill Clinton walks in and sits at my table. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Then um, walking right towards me, Woody and Sun Yi. I thought oh, if he sits at this table and he kept, went right to the table next to me. But as he was going to his seat, he stared at me the whole time, make eye contact. And I didn't let go of his eyes either. And I followed him until he sat down right at the table next to me. Never spoke a word. He was with Sun Yi. Wow, how awkward. Awkward. 
strippy. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Sometimes do you just sit there and shake inside? Like, you know, because, you know, you get invited to all this stuff. You know, I can't imagine when you had the talk show. I'm talking about the, not the view, the original right, talk right. show for six years. You know, I've talked to you about this before. I'm always shocked that you walked away. Yeah. Do you like like even like you even said to me, I made so much money doing that show. It's enough. I walked away. I had enough money for life. Do you still feel that way? Do you do you sit there and go, hey, instead of renting a house in Malibu, I could have just bought any house I wanted. Do you have any regrets about walking away from that show in the sense that now it's when you put your 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 sort of view on the world now at 60. Right. And you say, what was I carrying on? Maybe I should have just relaxed and gone with it and enjoyed it. No. Done the show. No, I, I you never knew, regret it. No, I knew when I took it that I would leave when Parker was in kindergarten. And I stayed till he was in first grade because my mother never got to do that. She never got to come to our games. She never got to be the class parent. She never got to do all those things that no regrets. No, I never had a regret. I never did. I, I knew I was done, Howard. I was kind of so sick of of talking to the same people who didn't want to be there, but were only there because they're on a soap opera and they had to do press. And it got to be um, less and less authentic, like. At the beginning, Parker loved Tickle Me Elmo, so I got Tickle Me Elmo, and it became a big thing. Then they yeah. started saying, can you play with this toy? And I'm like, no, uh, he doesn't play it's with that. It's not authentic. Toy. Yeah, right. but we have a big buy-in, if you will say that you do. Or the best was when they said, would you eat this Weight Watchers meal? I said, would I what? They said, we want you to eat it on the show and then say how much you liked it. I'm like, no. And it's not like they were coming to me with, Here's a commercial. We should split the revenue of this. No, they right. were just taking it into the budget of the show. So I, you know, I, I refused to do those things and uh, didn't want to do what they do now on all these shows, which is like a little Shopify moment, you know, like on The View, you always see, oh, but now we have bags for twenty nine ninety nine if you call the view dot com. And, you know, I didn't want to do that. No, you had integrity. But, you know, I, I sometimes think if um, was it weird when you walked away from that show? Did you lose a lot of friendships? I don't mean like overtly someone goes, well, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. But did you notice a shift in how because, I mean, you were the ultimate influencer with that show. It was huge right. ratings, tremendous amount of power in that show. You put you put a Broadway show on there. You put uh, this one on. Suddenly, it's like what Johnny Carson had with The Tonight Show. And yeah. that daytime audience, you were the, you know, you were the queen of uh, that that whole thing. Yeah, you, you could make stars and you could break stars. Well, I never thought that. You know, people have said that to me. And one person, I did you see the tape of Anne Hache saying that um, I had harassed her in her dressing room? Yeah, I didn't see the tape, but I heard about it. What what was that all about? It's fascinating because she had that same idea that you did, that I could make or break people, which never occurred to me while I was there, right? except for a Broadway show that I tried to really buoy up some shows that I, I loved. But Anne Hayes gets in this accident, and I'm bereft. Now, how did I know her? She did my show twice, and um, she and Ellen came to my home in Miami and swam in my pool, and we had lunch once. So right. I knew her you know, not really well, but in the celebrity vernacular and that she was with Ellen for a while and then how her career suffered and her book, Call Me Crazy. There was a horribly, horribly tragic child, 
abuse in that family. And I've always sort of felt sorry for her, but never reached out to her. So when she's dying and when that all happens, I'm, I'm legitimately bereft in a way that maybe surprised me. I'd wake up in the morning and think, oh, my God, something's wrong. Oh, Anne Hayes is in a coma. Like it was obsessive to me. So she she died tragically. Somebody says, well, did you see this tape? I said, what tape? I said a year ago she had a, a podcast Heather and Anne always together or something like that. A friend of hers, Anne and Heather always together or something. And on the tape, she's talking and she's very, 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 you know, either in a manic state or sort of maybe high. But she was saying, I went actually to the Rosie O'Donnell show and, you know, Rosie O'Donnell herself walked in and said to me, Anne, if you mention anything gay of the world you think you're in, that you're doing things for gay people, if you mention anything like that, then I'm going to ruin your career. I will blackball you and blacklist you and you will never be, this show will never see the light of day. And that's what she said to me. Now, I'm at home listening to this. I'm in shock. I call my my nephew who does all the tapes for us. I go, pull every Anne Hayes interview. First interview she did, we didn't talk about Ellen uh, at all. Um, but I said to her at the end, nice to meet you. So I had never met her before then. Right. right. So then the second one, we talked all about Ellen. She was only on twice. And she said in these interviews, she was on for Donnie Brasco. She never did my show for Donnie Brasco. So she was confused, I think, about something. But the concept that she walked around feeling that about me for 20-something years kind of broke my heart a little bit. That if, you, a gay woman, would say to her, if you talk about anything gay, I'm going to ruin your career. Right. Uh, I mean, that was her perception of you. That was her perception. And I would have loved to have had a moment to be able to call her up and go, hey, what? tell me what you're talking about. Because that is so not me, not what I ever did. I will tell you this, Howard. If there was someone who was coming on that I was afraid of, that I thought they might not have a great agenda or they had said something in the past about me that made me like worried or, or weary, we would tape them. Wow. We would always tape the show if I ever had any consideration. And then we would edit it and air it as edited. So, so you would have taped Anne Hayes if you felt that correct, way about that. Exactly. Yeah. I would have never told her anything and taped her and tried to get around whatever I was worried about. But I wasn't worried about Anne So Hayes. for 20 years, she's walking around telling people you're the lesbian mafia and that you, uh, well, I don't that know. I, I threatened to ruin her career as if I thought I had the power to do that. Of course I didn't. I didn't. Oh, can you imagine your karma if you were going around telling people you're going to ruin their career? Correct. I mean, geez. I mean, who would ever think that way, you know? And then, and then in this, in the, uh, you know, splash of the, of that was, you know, she and Ellen ruined Anne Hayes' career. I'm like, hold it now. <laughs> hold it. <laughs> Get me out of this. Yeah. Let me tap out. Can I tap out yeah. of this? Oh my God. But it was well, sad you know what? to me. It was sad. It was probably like, she'd be like, yeah, Rosie's, this town's not big enough for two lesbians. Mm. There's only going to be one, maybe. <laughs> and that's me. And yeah, that's that's my you MO. In, are you in touch with Ellen at all? No. Are, are you no. no? I bet you she I feel like she didn't want to leave uh her show. I think I mean maybe she did. I don't know. I don't want to speak I mean for nineteen her, years is a long time, right? I mean yeah, that's some a people long want time. it. Yeah. Some people want it. I guess, but I don't know. It gets old. I mean it gets old when you're having to perform. You're, you're in a wonderful position. This was the best job that I ever had was on Sirius where you get to talk and use your intellect and perform when you want to, but it's not a performative state. 
like to do a a live talk show on the TV where you're constantly performing and in some way your voice goes up a little bit. Here you're you. It's your being you all the time. And that's a very freeing thing. Early in my career, I had an opportunity to, I was actually going to take over the Joan River show for Fox Network. Wow. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, they came to me, they offered it to me, and I did a couple of shows. Uh, but, you know, cause Joan wasn't working out in their mind. I did a couple of shows, like a talk show on TV. I thought the pace was horrible. Yeah. Like, there's no room to stretch out. It's also jive. It's like, you know, like that's the rhythm and it's all shit yeah like like to me being and i said to myself being on radio is way better than doing this tv stuff it sure is authenticity wise you're able to be yourself you're not worrying how it's coming across you're you not have a crowd right there that trying to you know i mean it's it's such a freeing art form to do radio and when i I did it i loved it I hate, hate the, crowd. the crowd. That's so I funny. don't, I don't want to be in a room with people doing a show. I don't want to listen to their reactions. That's right. why I like radio. When you did the view though, they even had an audience there and they're busy cheering for this one. It's like gladiator. It really kind it's, of is, right? It, it, they cheer horrible. for the one you love, they like and they boo <laughs> yeah. the one they don't. And is that don't why know. you like TikTok so much? It's kind of like doing a it radio totally show. It totally is. And I'm going to do, uh, something, a podcast type thing, but really it's going to be elongated TikTok. So, right. you know, TikTok is three minutes. And if you're going to, they want like two 30 minute chunks a week. I'm like, that's pretty simple. <laughs> you know, yeah. two 30 minutes. We used to do hours a day, remember? And you do so many hours a day. But do you, I mean, I could be accused of oversharing. Do you think you overshare sometimes when you're, God, yes. Yeah. You're, you're um, amazingly honest about your kids, what's going on with them. Sometimes yes. I'll even say to myself, oh, Rosie. Don't, don't, don't talk about that. Yeah, don't talk yeah. about this, you know, yeah. and I, I'm the last one to say that, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, all kind of weird shit, but. Well, I have a funny kind of story about how I totally like created the problem myself with Priyanka Chopra at Nobu. So I go to Nobu with Fran Drescher and my son Blake and his fiance and we're looking, there's Nick Jonas and I loved him in that, um, wrestling show that he did. He was fantastic. I don't know yeah. if you ever saw that, but no. he, it, he played an MMA fighter and his dad and it was really good. So I saw him and I'm like, wanted to tell him that I loved him and he played a gay character, a gay wrestler. So I just wanted to say you were so good in that. And, and there's his wife whose name I don't know. All I know about her is that she's Deepak Chopra's daughter. And Fran says to me as she gets up first, Angel, it's not the daughter. I'm telling you, I know him. It's not the daughter. Like, Franny, just you do you. I'll do me. (laughs) So she goes and says hello. It is, I'm the president of SAG. Nice to meet you. She moves by. My son is behind me, and I stop, and I say, hi, Nick, Rosie. It's so great to see you were wonderful in that show. And and um, I, I think I know your dad, actually. Nice to meet you. And she goes, oh, yeah, who's my dad? (laughs) <laughs> and I said, oh, Deepak Chopra. And she said, no, that's not my dad. And Chopra is a very common name in India. And yeah. I don't, you know, and I I go, oh, well, now I start fumfering. I don't know if you've seen the Rosie Fumfer, but it's something like this. Oh, yeah, no, Don O'Donnell's name that's pretty popular in, uh, in Ireland. It's like Smith, I guess. I mean, there's Nora O'Donnell, there's Chris O'Donnell, there's lots of O'Donnells. But, okay, well, anyway, so um, my son goes, 
please don't mind her. We're taking her home, right? My son <laughs> saves my ass. We get in the car and they are ragging on me. My son and his, oh so my God, you mom, you, you would ruin any moment. Don't talk to anyone famous. <laughs> don't do it. So, um, I get in the, they were hounding me. I get in the car. I turn on my TikTok and go, I just met Nick. Uh, Jonas's wife and I totally made a fucking dick of myself this is what I said and blah 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 well then all the fans of Priyanka get on there and go how you're a racist how dare you because I said <laughs> the Nick Jonas wife that's what I called her the Nick Jonas oh, wife <laughs> and she's like she 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 could have googled me first and I'm like she's right I should have googled her first then I google her you know what I find out the first thing is her pet peeve that people think that she's debunked Chopra's oh. daughter. It's listed. You know what's horrible? And you know what's horrible? That's what ruins TikTok because here you are willing to go on and just speak stream of consciousness and yes. go, you know, yeah, you're not going to believe what I did and the Nick Jonas wife and blah, 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 blah. And then like people rag on you. They shit on you. Yes. You didn't use the exact right words. And now you're like, fuck it. I better shut my mouth. I better not say anything. I shouldn't be too revealing. That's when you tighten up. Yeah, I don't ever think of that. Yeah. I always yeah. think, you know, oh, well, onward. You know, that's by, just sort of how by it the happens. Way, Please point out that her father is actually uh, Mahatma Gandhi, not. Uh, oh, I didn't program. know that. Next yeah, time I'll bring yeah. that up if I see <laughs> yeah. them at Nobu but, again. But now you're posting like seven times a day on TikTok. Yeah. So it's becoming a job because well, you're probably because like. I'm, they're talking to me about uh, what they, they want this podcast to be or what they think it could be or, you know, it's part of uh, iHeartRadio. So they're also thinking, would you want to rather do it as a radio? And I don't know, trying to figure out because truthfully, Howard, I'm 60 and I just right. did this series and it took like almost a year and a half and there's a lot of work. And, you know, I would like to do something that is more like this. If you were going to bang a guy, this guy, John Berenthal, who uh, is an American <laughs> gigolo with you, I could see you maybe falling for him. But, well, he's a He'd handsome guy. in those pajama pants. You're right? not yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the look. Again. That's the look. He would be the guy. You're so right. <laughs> yes. He, you know, he's very handsome to look at and a uh, very charming guy. And he's a very good actor. You know, how yeah. how is it, though, you didn't that what's so great about this whole story of you taking on American Gigolo for uh, Showtime is uh, you don't have to audition. Now, that's time. a nice. Is that the first time that's happened to you? First time. Yes. You're a very good actor. I mean, you've proven yourself in that field. You've Thank done a you lot of movies. Much. You know, you really are. You, I, I, in American Gigolo, you totally pull off being a lawyer. It's a, it, you're really good. I forget that you're Rosie O'Donnell right away. Oh, good. You know, which is good because at first I say, oh, there's Rosie. And then, like about five minutes in, I'm like, okay, yeah, oh, we're cool now. Rosie pulled it off, right? But but uh, when they come to you and you don't have to audition, in a way, don't you wish you could audition because you say, what if they're wrong, and the, and I and I fuck this thing up? Or are you confident enough to know I don't need to audition? I got this role. I can play this. Well, you know, it was David Hollander who created and wrote Ray Donovan for all those years and all those Emmys. And as an actor, the concept of getting to do a Ray Donovan type character was overwhelmingly compelling to me. So did you love that show, Ray Donovan? I loved that show. And it's I, fantastic. It's fantastic. The acting is unbelievable. I think for actors watching TV, if they I, I always have said if I could get in a show like this, right? Where they're gritty, real blue cra blue collar workers from like the the kind of childhood that we grew up in. There's a way that I can keep it very real, you know. Yeah. Some of the reviews said that um, I f f 
uh, that they felt that I was tonally in a different film. And I think in some ways I was because I was only working with John and I didn't see the rest of the vibe or how they were doing it until I got the first three episodes, you know. So I, I was I was in the tone of we're doing a Ray Donovan realistic character type show you know and and that's sort of what i put out yeah there. i mean john void i mean i don't know what that guy's oh my, situation oh, yeah. is in real yes. life but boy is he good in that <laughs> he Ray Donovan. Is so oh my good God. in that what an actor <laughs> and that. you saw the movie right howard you saw the last oh yeah 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 well speaking of movies so the original american gigolo uh, the guy who played your role was uh hector, hector elizondo yes elizondo do you go back and watch Hector Elizondo or do you say to yourself, I don't want to fucking watch Hector Elizondo. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be influenced by him. Well, I went and watched the movie again because I didn't really remember it. So I right. wanted to just get the feel of it, you know. Um, so I did watch it again and I did think, wow, that's going to be interesting. And when I met with David, I said, are you changing the script because it's going to be a woman? Or he said, not at all. Exactly My. as it's written is what we want. A tough new york cop and i was like okay i can do that you know um but i didn't particularly love the movie american gigolo when i was a kid it was out when i was 18 and it was highly sexual and i didn't kind of get it or wasn't interested i was into other kinds of stuff you know isn't that's the movie where richard Gere actually showed his penis exactly which you know for me at 18 was not anything i wanted to see (laughs) yeah i mean it was not impressive from what i remember it was uh i don't know right I'm, what did you think? Have you, have you analyzed I, I, that part? Did of the- you go back and say, hmm. I, let, let me say this. I didn't do the freeze frame and I didn't, I didn't take a look staring at it. It's so yeah. great. So crazy. Yeah. But he so, makes I mean, a, he makes a good gigolo, I think. But Baron with Ball. you, it, I mean, so you, so you packed up, uh, your bags, moved to California, like the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes, indeed. <laughs> because you got the school thing going with your kid, but right. also, hey, it, did the job come along at the same time or you were just hanging out in LA and all of a sudden this whole opportunity develops? My agent calls and says they offered you a role. It's the guy from Ray Donovan, David Hollander, who I knew of. Not, I didn't know him at all, but I knew of him. And I was just thrilled to do it. And I happened to be talking to that woman who helps with Dakota. And she said, well, where are you going to shoot? I said, Sony in Culver City. She's like, that's where the school is. So it was all kind of like came together at once. How how busy of a schedule have you been on? Are you like shooting? uh, I mean, how often were you shooting? We shot a lot and it took a long time because of COVID. We did the pilot. Then we were down for a year. It was picked up, but we had to wait a year. And oh, wow. then, then we did the rest of them afterwards, and then we they got rid of David Hollander halfway through, and brought oh. in yes. How and, come? Um, they wouldn't really tell us. They said that there were complaints about him that uh, were not sexual in nature, which makes you think right away. Oh my God, was it sexual in nature? Because right. they said it <laughs> what was. What other complaints are there? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I I don't know. Did you call him? Did yes, you say? Of what? course, I did. Yeah. yeah, you must have been upset. I mean, yes. because, yeah, because you, you believe in him and you wanted to work with him. And, and he, all of he is a genius. And, you know, I, I wasn't aware of what behavior. I didn't see any behavior. I didn't. Jeez. I didn't <laughs> know, but leaving him, leaving him out of it, it was his whole vision. So the first three episodes before they, they made changes to them when he left, the first three episodes were very clearly his imprint. You know, and, and then we took a few weeks off 
and they reassessed what they were going to do with the story. They brought in two new people and they tried to finish out the last five episodes. And were you like, were you bummed to the point where you're like, hey, if he's not here, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Or did you just go with the flow? Well, I did think, wow, uh, that's a, a bummer. And this is, you know, it, it took a while to get it to be working again smoothly uh, so that we could finish the series. But it was definitely a bummer in the middle of of shooting. You lose the captain of the ship, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Great job. And you're doing you're doing fabulously well. You know what I was thinking about with you? Um, where, where James Corden announced he was, um, he's leaving his late night show. Right. They should talk to you about, would you do that? Let's say I said to you, come on, let's, uh, you, you do a late night show. No. Let's get you in. You wouldn't do it. You know what? I, I no longer have the love of pop culture that I did. Right. So I don't have that encyclopedic sort of grasp, but oh my God, you were on Little House on the Prairie when the dog right. died in the river. I could do that without thinking and I don't follow it the way I did and it no longer has an allure to me. There's yeah. not like someone that I haven't met that I go, oh, if I could only meet that person, you know, there's so many people I've been lucky to interview and to get to know and sometimes someone will die and I'll be like, oh my God, they were on my show too. Like, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it used to be more important to you yes. to meet those people right for some yes. reason and yeah, now it doesn't it was, matter it doesn't matter right you've seen it all and you've seen behind the curtain of it and you know it's it's a whole different gig now and and i don't think i would be as curious as i was like i was curious to know what these people were like and i was so interested and and i'm not as interested now the things that i'm interested in are different you know yeah and it started yeah, with it. painting, and I know for you it went to painting, and artistically yeah. to express yourself in different ways is is very fulfilling to have to do one kind of thing, and and it's a very specific uh, kind of dissociation, right? But you were never hung up. But you were never hung up on money, like like no. you like even okay, you made a lot of money on that talk show, and yeah. I remember you famously kind of said, you know, I made X amount of dollars, and uh, blah blah blah, I'm all set for life. I just wonder sometimes, like, you know how you meet a billionaire and they want more billions? Yes, like, they, yes. they, like, like it's like a sickness almost. Like, guy's worth four billion, but he's looking at the guy who's worth seven and he's yeah, like, shit, crazy. I you know. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder, like, if you ever sit and count the money you didn't make because you left it all on the table and uh, you don't seem to have that regret, you know? No, I, not- I, you know, I, I seriously, Knockwood, I have been so fortunate. If you were, if, if, we were the kids we were on Long Island, and you would have told that little kid that you're going to have like three digits of millions in the bank. It would have changed everything. Like, I couldn't believe when I told you one time I got a check for $27 million, and Jeez. Kelly didn't tell me. And my agent called me up and said, How do you feel about that check? And I go, What check? And then I said to her, <laughs> Honey, did we get a check? She said, yeah, it was 27 million. I go, why didn't you tell me? Like it was my first, you know. I might have celebrated. I would have done something. I would have had a beer right. maybe. But uh, so I never cared that much about it, which is why I'm not good at gambling, because I don't care as much about the money. I don't right. care if I win. It's not like, oh, there's an extra 20. Like, I don't think of it that way. I, I was more thrilled just making $250 a week. I was kind of like, oh, my God, I can't even believe someone's paying me $250 a week. I was yeah. always kind of. Or when the clubs flew you out, when they right. flew you to the destination, it was like, wow, I made it now in coach on JetBlue, you know, but <laughs> so I was. What do you, 
What are you doing? You're working on new stand-up? Like, where do you go if you're well, going to work on... The first thing I'm doing, which I thought would really be the first topic for you, Howard, is I am a series regular on The L Word. Are you? Yes. Oh, my wife loves that show. Oh, that's a good show. Oh, my God. I did it last oh. season. I did a couple episodes, and then they said, would you come back? We want to make you a season regular. So after we wrapped Gigolo, I started, and I have about three more weeks of work on the L word, and possibly, Howard, a sex scene. Will you do? Will you be comfortable? No. <laughs> a nude scene with another woman? It, well, they said it's a sex scene, and I told them when I took the job, I'm not doing a sex scene. But the women who were there are so smart, and they're young. They're in their 30s and 40s, and they're writing Listen. unbelievably great stuff for women and trans people. And it's Let I'm, me tell you something. Go ahead. Tell me. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Well, look, I'm no actor. I mean, I did one movie, right? Right. But I had several, what you'd call quasi-sex scenes, like, you know, making out. Right, and right. This and that. I had a boner the whole fucking, you every did. time I was, absolutely, uh, everyone said to me, oh, you'll see, it's it's acting, it's not going to be erotic, and this and that. I was like, bullshit. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a schlub from Long Island. <laughs> yeah. This is very erotic. Yes, are you kidding? I think, why not do one of these love scenes with one of these gorgeous actresses? Oh. And uh, you know what I mean? I well. mean you say, oh, stop it. Listen, you're, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm blushing. Fun. You can't see it so good, but I'm blushing. <laughs> you, because... have, you must fantasize a little bit that you'll be on set. In walks a very nude woman who is <laughs> very, very fit. Very, <laughs> very fit, I don't mean, yes. I mean, everything. <laughs> And there you are, lying there with who knows what the fuck happens. I mean, I'm excited about this for you. Well, Kate Menick, who plays Shane, she's directing that episode. So yes. we had a couple talks, and I was like, listen, she's like, don't worry. There'll be an intimacy coordinator, and don't worry. But, you know, the me is totally panicked about it. It's three weeks away, and I'm already, like, sweaty. Are you uncomfortable showing your body? Um, are you uh, ready to disrobe, or is that is that uh, a big we're, issue for we're, you? We're, yeah, it's a big issue. I could see you in a chemise, uh, yeah, you know, some, something like a uh, tank, drapey, maybe yeah, a tank. like a tankini, <laughs> a swim tank, a swim tank, like that. Although, why not uh, you stay fully clothed? Let somebody else get naked. Why Listen, not? I see um, Lizzo, and I'm inspired. I have to tell you that <laughs> yeah, I right. look at her, and the first few times, I was like, "Oh my God, what?" What's happening? What is she doing? What is she doing? And right. it's exploded into me buying all of her Yeti clothes and wearing <laughs> them and at my house and thinking, listen, it looks good on Lizzo. It looks good on me. And, you know, my my little daughter says to me, why are you wearing those crazy clothes? And I'm like, I remember because in a minute I'm Anita. So we'll see. This is going to be exciting. I'll be able to go on Mr. Skin and watch you and a woman exactly. uh, make love. Oh, That's my God. Right. It's going to be. A, it's, you know something? The last time you were here, I do remember you saying to me that you told me you'd rather do anything than have sex in your personal life. Now, you've you know, whatever it was, menopause, whatever. Yeah. You were really kind of turned off. Yeah, I think. Like when I last saw you personally, you were dating the police officer. That's right, Liz. Very attractive, nice woman. Yes. I don't know what happened there. You never, uh, you never called me up when you. You know, you she was too young. It ended up she was twenty three years younger than me, and for me, you know, it was just she had a lot of stuff to do. Although she recently got sober and ah. she's doing well in her life and job, and right. you know, has date is dating someone new. So I feel happy for her, and I'm dating someone new as well. Oh, don't I know? Listen. You don't call me personally, but I look on TikTok to see what you're up to. Yeah. 
And a very attractive yes. woman, very tattooed. How very. do we feel about this? Very I, I have tattooed. never dated a tattooed woman before. I this mean, is my got, first tattoo. She's got 23. We counted them. 23 I mean, tattoos, may, including a huge one on her neck and her thighs. You, and she's very, very sexy to me. We, uh, so in other words, let's yeah. be frank. Let's be frank. You now are ready. I'm back in action, Howard. You are. You're back. The plumbing is working again. Rosie's back. I'm back. Were you shocked when you met her? You met met online, right? Yes, TikTok. Which which is weird. Well, I watched her tapes. I watched her little videos, her TikToks. And every time I saw her, I would smile. I'm like, this woman is like perfect. Look at she's so happy and enthusiastic and beautiful and bright. And she has a light coming from her. And, you know, she's always kind of, I don't know. Well, like how did this, you find her on TikTok? I mean, just randomly? literally going through. Now, I have never contacted anyone on TikTok that I wanted to date, ever, besides her. I sent right. her a DM and said, uh, um, Were you nervous? Beauty- no. Were I, you like... No, because I, I didn't know. I thought maybe we would just be friends. I said, you're, you're very beautiful. I love your look. And ten, like 10 days later, she wrote me back a little video. Uh, like she was singing a song and going, hi, hi, you know, Rosie O'Donnell. Can't that, backfire, can't that backfire on a Rosie O'Donnell? You're so famous that, oh, she could have just well been a kook and gone, guess who? Hey, gang, guess who contact me and is a, a, aggressive sexually? Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I wasn't but, aggressive sexually. I still did the right. slow move in, you know, the turtle move, like take my little time, right? So the cool way to do it is, hey, you're very beautiful. I'm very taken with your TikTok. Uh, that's it. That's, that's the it. message. That's it. And, and and when 10 days go by, she doesn't respond. Are you like, eh, fuck it. It didn't work out. I gave it a shot. No, Were I you... felt sort of dejected and rejected. Diminished. Even though she it's diminished. I was like, woo, yeah. yeah. I totally was <laughs> like. Your, your penis shrunk. Yeah, my penis that's shrunk. It. Let's face yes. it. <laughs> yes. I know the feeling. <laughs> uh, so, 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 so she reaches out. Yeah. And now what do we do? We start do we talking get... on the phone, but she would nice. not FaceTime me. Why? So, well, I thought I was being catfished. I thought maybe she was a guy because she dude. was tall, 5'10. Maybe she's a dude and she gets this right. makeup and a filter. Like I thought that. I thought that wasn't her. That was uh, somebody that she's just pretending to be her. I-, I don't know, but she wouldn't do it. It turns out that she's very shy, which you would not think from all her tattoos and everything, but right. she's like an introvert and she's a massage therapist, has her own business there in Spokane. How do you feel about that? Do you want to secretly have her stop working because she lives far away with her job and everything? Right. She lives in Spokane. Have you had the discussion with her? Listen, stop with the massage. Come here and massage me full time <laughs> and uh, move in with me. No, she has you know. two children. She has two children. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah. 15 year old boy and a 21 year old daughter who's out on her own. But her son is not yet um, through high school. So she was married to a dude. She was a Mormon. Grow, oh, born yeah. and wow. raised a Mormon. And at 25, she left the church and had her name removed from the whole big, you know, musical taboo that is Mormonism. And she was, you know, estranged. She's estranged from her family because of it. And, oh, uh, you know, they, because she's gay. Yes. And, and I think she's done everything in a non-Mormon way. The way she lives kind of authentically and free is not really the way of the Mormons. And, so she, you know, she had that and it's still a trauma to her and, but she knew that she was gay and, um, so she left her marriage and, 
and amicably they both decided and he's with someone else and and she went on and had relationships with women and felt happier and her children told her mommy you're so much happier when you're with the woman why are you doing you know so she finally was like you're right you're right i'm just gonna do that so you're in love i'm in love you know listen i i am and she's really kind and wonderful and I like the pace that we're going at. It's not like a U-Haul situation, you know, where we're right. like, you know, up. And I mean, I have a little kid who's nine with special needs and, you know, it's, it's complicated. But we try to see each other once a month or more if we can. So no marriage. We're not doing no, that. No, we're not doing a third marriage, Howard. No, no. Two, that's it. Two sure? is enough. No, I promise you, Howard. Two You're is enough. You're not good at marriage. No, I would no. say it's not my best thing. But maybe she wants marriage with you. You might have to deal with that at some point. Maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll see how we get there and what it feels like, you know. She's I not mean, pressuring you. She's not pressuring me, which is good, good. because yeah. I don't do well under pressure like that. No, it no. It only feels like a wait, but that hasn't happened. So you next time was... when we see you, you'll be married. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Robin, you'll be the maid of honor. <laughs> Absolutely. She'll be a wonderful maid of honor. Are yes. you kidding? Um you know, there was one other thing I had to ask you about. I was thinking about you and David Letterman. This is weird, and this is going back a long time. But you always said, like, when you would do his show, and I swear to you, I went online looking for Rosie O'Donnell on the David Letterman show. Right. Like, I wanted to watch a clip. Sure. Or, or you know, because they have all those old shows on Yeah. There. You cannot find it. It's not really? Yeah. You Google Rosie O'Donnell on the David Letterman show, and you had always said... You know, I was never really comfortable going on that show because David didn't talk to me during the commercials. Yeah, and he wasn't friendly. Like, yeah, and that's, you know, that. but the, I mean, that's kind of how Dave is, you yeah, know. But, yeah, but, but, But it was a horrible experience for you. You, didn't, you never felt good about it, right? No, felt- I felt like I did very well on it a couple times. Like, and I remember um, someone who was following me when I came out into the green room said, you just ruined it for me. I'm never going to be able to top that, you know. Oh, wow. And it was... Uh, I think it was um, Lenny and Squiggy, the tall actor who's on uh, Better Call Michael Saul. McKeon. Michael McKeon. He's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, he said that to me when I came off there. But I never just, I never felt at home there. I never felt like, you know, you walk that in ease. here, you see the people that you've seen all the years. And, hey, Rosie, hi, how are you? You know, in Letterman, it was like they walk you up, you get in your room, he doesn't talk to you. The person will come in and, and re- talk you know, tell you what your stuff is about. And then you go out and you do it. You sit and then you wait. And he's talking to his comedy writers. And Bill Chef, who I love, would always come over and sit next to me and go, he's not talking to you, right? I'm like, right. He's like, he does it to everyone. I'm like, I know, Bill, but I find it disturbing. He's like, don't let it bother you. But wasn't that show great from the standpoint of a comic? You're a comic Mm -hmm. at heart. That's what you do. Right. And there was something about Dave. You just wanted to please him. You know what I mean? You wanted to kill on that show. You knew how important it was. You knew all the other comics were watching you. Yes. There was some gravitas there that uh, there sure was. And when when we were all working at catch or the strip or, you know, the improv, everybody would gather around the TV and watch when one of our guys got to go up on there, you know, it was um, it was really a big to do in the in the comedy culture, the comic culture. You know, Johnny Carson only had about three new comics a year. He didn't right. have a whole bunch. And Letterman had a lot more and a right. lot more styles of comedy. 
You know, I remember a comedian when I was very young who I met who was friends with Margaret Smith. You know, remember her? Yeah. She talked sort of like that. Yes. And, and she's like, you know, I, I always said to my mom, why does Lisa get to go out with the guy with the gun? Like she had a quirky kind of weird and she did his show a couple times and he loved her. And when he loved someone, you could sort of tell, you know, Yeah. and he didn't really love me, I don't think. But that's OK. You know, it was it was I was never a horrible experience. It just wasn't the warm fuzzy that I was expecting. Yeah, Dave always had me on, but then, like, sometimes he would roll his eyes if I was saying something completely off the wall and stuff. But I was doing it to please of the course. show and to make it funny. Right. And, yeah. But, you, you know, know he's his show with, when he does the in-long, in-depth, long interviews are, is fantastic. Yeah, that's Up next good. or whatever it's called. It's yeah, yeah. He's a wonderful interviewer and a very interesting guy, I think. But I don't yeah, know I'm him really, at all. I'm really glad I get to know him. You know, I still talk to him occasionally, and uh, I just that really, I, that's that's a real high. I'm jealous of someone you used to hang out with. You you actually got to hang out with David Bowie. I am such oh, a Bowie yes. fan. Like Bowie to me. You know how you feel about Broadway. I feel yes. about David Bowie. I yes, mean, so it was many like the, people do. Oh, his music and just the way he conducted himself. And uh, I love the story where you got to know David Bowie, and you told him because you love Broadway. Yeah, I'm taking you to see the play Rent. Like you said to Bowie, I want to take you and yeah. Iman. Yeah, to we see were out Rent. to dinner and I said, we're going to see Rent. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, you're doing it. And you're going to sit next to me and next to Iman on the other side. And it's getting rave reviews. And the guy is going to you're going to be he died on opening night, David. It's very big. So we went there and he leaned over after like, you know, 20 minutes and said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like come on man he's like kill you and then uh we got out of there and he said here's what you're going to do you're going to come to nobu with me and iman i'm gonna order and you're gonna eat every fucking thing i order because he knew i was afraid of sushi and he couldn't right. believe that i was afraid of sushi and meanwhile who loves sushi more than you i will you be nobu it. nobu every night any city any night I ran into you there a couple of times. Yeah, it's in the, the old delicious days. food. When I used to go out, now I COVID, I haven't left the house. Seriously? Nope. Have you gotten nope. it? No. Me either. Well, but, but you're out and about. Yeah, I, but I wear a mask a lot, you know. Yeah. But it's funny in L.A. There's like a no mask protocol. Even on the plane, we just flew here, and we were both wearing masks, but we were. Not you. You feel like an oddball. Correct. You're not. And this woman who was in a mask and gloves was wiping down with antibacterial her her chair. She yeah. saw me in a mask and she goes, "Do you want to wipe down?" <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, thank. I don't know you. Well, but thank are you. you considered immunocompromised because you had a heart attack? Yes, I ten mean, years uh, ago. Ten years ago, and you're doing well, but still, you probably got to be a little more careful than the average person, right? Yeah, I mean, I totally was worried about getting it, and I'm very, very shocked that I haven't had it, and makes me worried that I'm going to get monkeypox. Uh, because <laughs> Be I missed the whole COVID thing. And yep. if I, the worst thing for somebody who picks their skin, like I do, is right. monkeypox. That is like torture that, to me. Like I see other people's images of monkeypox and I think, pop those things. Don't what let them you? just sit and fester. Did you see the guy with the nose oh and his whole nose God. was open? I oh mean, I'm like monkeypox. What the hell? That so, is but, the uh, most terrifying thing to come our way monkeypox. 
well, Dr. Agus, I think, told me this. Maybe I heard him wrong, but if since we're born before 1972, right. anyone before 1972 has had the smallpox vaccine, and, and therefore we don't have to worry so much about monkeypox. Oh, unless Howard, we're having you like just some... have given me so much relief. Is that true? Yeah, but, but I, I don't know, but I wanted you to know that because that's what's been know. calming me down because I'm nuts. <laughs> I mean, I haven't left the house. I'm afraid. And Beth has, you know, Beth went... I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm I'm just now. Super let me paranoid. ask you. I've been uh, perusing Beth's Instagram, and uh, sometimes I hear you singing to kittens. Yes, I sing to the cats. You are yeah. in love with those cats now. I love those cats. And I the love doggy cast, the doggy. Pass. Oh, that's a long time already. Yeah, oh, we're, yeah, we're not yeah. getting another. I, I got a rabbit now living here. I saw I that. I saw Don't a ask. rabbit. Don't ask. You should see what's going on here. What do you put them all? Do you put them in those bedrooms that I stayed in, that bedroom uh, up there? That one bedroom we no, we you were the one who let a cat up there. We had never let a cat up there. Yeah, you followed went in me there. That... Next thing I know, you had a cat up there. Yeah, with you. crazy, <laughs> crazy. He's dead now. He's been dead for years. Uh, how many him. do yeah. you have? It seems like it's a forest full. Well, we have six cats wow. of our own, and then we had seven. One just died, but uh, then we have down. You know, downstairs is a whole like you know all fosters. You know that are gonna you know go to other people's home, but it's Noah's Ark. I mean, we're gonna float away one day, and 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 God's gonna talk to me, and and that's gonna be it. Where now, are you going? Where are you going to practice stand-up comedy? I would imagine that if you're putting together an act, that, where are you going? Where can you well, go to I'm do that? Where you work it out? Yeah, yeah. I'm working with David uh, Barcats, who wrote John Leguizamo's Freak with him. Oh, okay. And, and so he and I have been working for about six, seven months on new material that centers around um, sort of my whole career and childhood and the Trump thing fairly prominently featured um, nice. in, in it. And so when I went recently to do this thing with Kathy Griffin, where um, we performed for that charity for women's sobriety, um, I worked it out in the venue that we were there, right? While we were there, I took some of the chunks and I right. performed them on, on that stage. And it's better if it's not like a comedy club venue where they want you to go up there and do 10 minutes. And also at 60, I really feel that memory of waiting to get on a catch and having somebody walk in who was very well known and the whole night you were waiting and you didn't get on. And I really remember that. So I don't want to go into some improv where there's people just waiting to get seen and discovered and, and heard. Uh, and you're I, the big shot who exactly. walks in. And, yeah, yeah. With yeah. all my life and success and, you know, I'm going to go cut this guy off for, for 10 minutes on there, but we're going to do little theaters when, when we start touring it, we're going to do little theaters. We're waiting to see what happens with, uh, you know, shows and whatnot, if we get picked up or not, it's always, you know, something you have to wait on. And then I'm going to do that and hopefully bring it. You're to excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Jeez, I so don't know. So you're thinking could... of putting that on Broadway? Well, yeah, or off Broadway to start. Off Broadway? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's not like a, a big one woman show. It's, it's a small venue type of confessional, you know, mm. you know retrospective. What, you know... You know, when we called you, um, we tried to get a comment from you. I wanted you to come on, but you were, you were in the middle of something, but it was right after the Oscars and Will Smith, uh, oh slept, Chris Rock. Oh my God. I was like, get Rosie on. She's going to have something to say about this. I we, was enraged at him. Me too. And me I too. still am. I think yeah. not only did he ruin Chris's night and, you know, that documentary that won, he ruined it for, uh, he ruined everything that night and he really ruined 
the respect and majesty, if there is some, in the Academy Awards, which, right. I don't know, for me, growing up on Long Island, we used to get dressed up, we used to get pigs in a blanket, we used right. to have a big to-do, and it was a huge family gathering night for us. And, yeah, it was a big know, deal. Big movie fans and big everything fans, and, and um, I don't know, I was, I was horrified, horrified. And yeah, uh, I too. saw Chris, guess where? Where? Nobu. And uh, of course, <laughs> Nobu, Nobu Malibu. Malibu. You got yeah, it. Yeah, look at that. And he walked right over and gave me a big hug. And I said, "Did you get my text?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "I texted you right there." As soon as Will smacked smacked him, I went yep. right on the text. Hold your head up high. That was not you. Fuck him. That's what I wrote to Chris. I did the same thing. I called him. Yeah. I left a voicemail. Yeah. I said, I just want you to know that was total bullshit. This guy should go fuck himself. That's exactly and, what I did. Yeah, but I never heard from him. Yeah, he said he didn't get the text. Maybe he has a different number. I said, I texted you throughout the night, and then a few days later, I go, not that I was expecting a response. He's like, I would have responded. He, he's one of the nicest guys in, in show is. business. I really you, believe that he's the kindest. You know what? I felt bad for him with that. Because whenever he goes on stage now, he's the guy who got smacked. Yes. And there's a certain swagger that Chris Rock comes on. Same with you. You go on stage, you're confident. You know, when you have like, oh shit, he got smacked. Yes. By Will Smith. It's like, that's the thing in the room. And it's hard to overcome that. Yeah. When you're telling jokes, it's, it's, Although, it's hard. I, I had friends who were at his stand up tour just a few days after and they said he was extraordinary. He was almost. Wow puffed up you know in a way by it and emboldened by it and you know he he to me is one of the best stand-ups that there there is working today i love chris rock's stand-up i love me too what he does and you know unlike louis ck who you mentioned before who i was never a fan of i couldn't tell you what he did or what his show was about or you know i didn't really know anything about him until it came up with all of this do you watch um chappelle's stuff at all yeah I did. I watched the one. I, I thought that trans one that he did was um, really from a wrong perspective. And, you know, as a, a kind of dykeyish gay woman, uh, for him to talk about that he punched the dyke woman right in the tit and everyone laughs. And, you know, I'm not hypersensitive to jokes about, but it seems like he has a real issue with this subject. And mm -hmm. he needs to work that out. Now, can you imagine if I was accused of racism and then I did a special and said, you know, there was a black comic that I helped once. This black right. comic wasn't very good. And I uh, put her on the show and she was she was so horrible. In fact, the crowd booed her off. And then she came and watched my set. And, you know, it was really amazing how uh, we uh, we were friends. And then I helped her kid because she killed herself. She killed herself. This black woman. And um, I put her kid through college, so whoever thinks so, I'm racist, right? Right. Would would yeah. that have gone over, you think? No, that would not have gone over. No, so I don't know why it was able to sort of, he was able to kind of get, you know, more specials on Netflix and uh, and more rewards for, for that. Well, are I'll you tell blown you about up? it one day, how that happens. Tell me. Uh, are, were you blown It's not up? for public, uh... Oh. Yeah, oh, I'll talk to you. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. I love you, it. Are, are you blown out by some of the deals Netflix Netflix makes for uh, comics? I mean, Shocking. my goodness. It's Shocking. amazing. Isn't it amazing? 
But how much they must be making is all I think. They would never give that money out. Like when I got the $27 million check for my uh, show time, my special, my TV show, I remember thinking, well, they've got a $270 million check. <laughs> like, I never right, thought right. to myself, oh, <laughs> I'm really ripping check. them off, yeah. you know? Yeah. I thought they're, they're going broke uh, while yes. I'm getting rich. Yeah, yeah that's not what happening. Was the, <laughs> what was the $27 million for? Was it for just because of syndication and uh, like a bunch of money? It was first-run syndication, so... Okay. And I owned part of the show thanks to Oprah. I followed her deal. I was like, you mm. know her deal? I'd like that deal, please. And, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. That, I, which I mean, you're syndicated, the yes. money that comes in. Cause, it was you crazy. Know. That's why and people say, why did you leave? I had so much money, Howard. At some point, you have to go, I got enough money. I can I can ride the rest of my life on this, you know? I don't need I guess, a $27 million house in Malibu. You know, I don't need that, you know? But for me, what's weird is it's almost like this weird guilt. Like, you sit there and go, God, when I was a boy growing up on Long Island, all I wanted to do was be on the radio. I dreamt of the radio, the radio, radio. And I thought, well, if, if someone would pay me just enough to live. Yeah. So so in, when all of a sudden all of this fame and success comes, I go, this is, this is beyond my wildest dream. It would be insulting to every radio guy out there if I walked away from it, in a way. Yeah. Like, it, 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 you know what I mean? And also... I couldn't live with not satisfying the audience or my urge to be in front of an audience. That's why I admire what you did. You said, I have enough. I even have enough fame. Yeah. I have enough. You know, it's saying no is very difficult. Yeah, it's hard. You know, it's a hard thing. But I always knew how to do it for self-preservation. You know, uh, like I, I knew yeah. we were coming into the Bush years. 9-11 had just happened. The money was insane. But my anxiety level was at a height that i hadn't reached before after 9-11 and right you know so i i always think god was involved in some kind of spiritual way that i was off during the bush war years and then that i was not on tv during the trump reign i mean those were two saving graces that i wasn't having to you know perform and and show where i was emotionally because it wasn't good uh they should have had you on the view during the trump years all the you know i'm talking about when I say the Trump years, I mean now. Yeah. I, I just yeah. think, you we're know. We're still in them. Yeah. We're in them. You're not yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are we ever? I mean, you know, I was thinking about this. Boy, did he get his dream. Yeah. I don't mean being president. As long as I've known Donald Trump, his dream was to be the center, of, you know, true narcissistic dream, the center of attention. The whole world would be looking at him. To right. the point that even overhanging in Mar-a-Lago was this fake a Time Magazine yeah, fake. Um, cover. Fake. Right. Yeah, it wasn't even real. It wasn't that he was on the cover of Time Magazine. He made one so people could see him on the cover of Time Magazine. But it all came to fruition. You turn on the TV, it's all Trump all the time. And boy, talk about fulfillment of desires in yeah. a weird way. My yeah. goodness. I yeah. Mean, it's he, crazy. And do you think he's going to get indicted? Do you think he's going to be arrested? I thought to myself... If there's going to be a law in this land, yeah. if somebody not only fixed an election where they called up, but they got him on tape going, hey, uh, listen, Georgia, go get me 11,000 yeah. more votes. I figure you go right, they send you right to jail. They don't even give you a trial for that. It's like having a video of somebody shooting someone. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, well, these documents that have nuclear secrets and the FBI has to, they're, they're asking for a year. Give us back these nuclear secrets. I won't give them back to you. Yeah. Forget it. Fuck you. Blah, 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 blah. God knows. I don't even know what he's going to do with these things, but he has them and then they have to go take them back.
and that's clearly treason. Uh, you name yes. whatever you want to call it. And you would think then the Republican Party would go, Jesus Christ, this guy can't do that. We're going to abandon him, blah, blah, blah. They don't. So I would have said yes. But then all of a sudden, this judge starts in with delaying things. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, it's becoming more difficult. And suddenly the law doesn't apply. It's very odd to me. But, you know, look, um, I and would the best say thing is Trump declares the country's becoming a third world country. Mm, and well, that's exactly what governments are like in a third world country. And who did it for us? He Trump. did. He did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But uh, your, your question is, do you think he's going to go to jail? Um, no. No. I do not. You I think he's going to so. just go back to private life or he's going to stay involved in politics in some he's way? He's going to run again. You think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think he is. Oh, I do. I don't think he'll win. I hope one of you is right. <laughs> I hope I hope you're right. Yeah. No. I mean, listen, everybody's saying if you, you know, they raided his house, there would be civil war in the streets. There's no civil war. I think all the people who are ready to take up arms has showed up on January 6th. I don't think there's people across America going, um, we're going to get in the streets and start fighting for Donald Trump. Like, I, I, I just don't see it. I think it's a delusion well, in his mind and he here, sells here, it. Here's the horror of it all. Roe v. Wade right. is now up. You know, this Supreme Court that really is very illegitimate. Yes, totally. In the sense that 100%. You know, because uh, Obama didn't get to appoint his uh, guy. And, uh, you know, it's just very weird. And people are starting to feel like, gee, things aren't fair anymore. You used to think there was some structure to all of this. But now uh, we get we, with Roe v. Wade. And I don't know. What do you think with gay marriage? Do you think it could be possible that they're going to make it up well, to the states? I think that, that Biden has to expand the Supreme Court. Bite down yeah. on the bullet. Like, uh, who was it that did that? FDR? said, you know, you're going to keep blocking me. I'm going to keep adding judges. And, you know, it worked. They stopped. Yeah. Right. And it, it yeah. is a, a rogue court. It is. a, And, you know, when the person who is president installs three people in the Supreme Court, um, you know, and then he's charged with an, being an insurrectionist and maybe a spy for another country. Shouldn't we reevaluate those choices that he made? Isn't yeah. there a way to do the what he touched rule? When he, you know, it, what Trump touched gets reevaluated. It doesn't yeah, seem to be happening, thing. Rosie. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not Listen, happening. It's not happening. Rosie, it's always good to talk to you. Listen, I could go. We, we've been yapping away for an hour and a half. Oh, boy. All right. We got to go. But you're the best. We, so are we you. I, I will be in more in touch. I will be well, more look, in touch. Well, look, I don't want to bother you. You don't bother you know me, what I Howard. Mean. You never bother me. I want to see ultimate, what you're doing art-wise, too. I'm going to send you a couple of things. I'm going to text you later, and I'm going to send you a couple of things. Okay, And good. let you evaluate them. You can tell me what you think. Okay, great. And you, you don't have to say they're good, but they're... I've they're heard your watercolors, and I've seen someone you just started are pretty phenomenal. Thank you. You are but, welcome. The ultimate question. What are you question. doing in that vein, Rosie? You say you paint now. What yes. Oh, Rosie's very busy. She's all crafty. Don't even ask what's going on over there. She's got craft I do rooms. acrylics. I do uh, mixed woman, media, very big canvases. She's a creative. She's I'll a creative. I'll send you, Robin. I'll send you some. I want to see. Okay. They're very good. But if you had to go to dinner with one person, in other words, you don't have a choice. You have to go with one person. Yeah. And the only choice you have Trump or Woody Allen? I'd be a no-show. 
Now, hold it a second. That's not an answer. You've got you to choose. You end the war and, in Ukraine. You, yeah, you'll end the war in Ukraine. Oh, well, that's if, a bonus. <laughs> if you go to dinner with one of them. Uh, who do you, you have to choose the lesser of two evils. Who is the person that you go to dinner with? And, and, and this is an interesting evaluation. And if you don't go to dinner, they will torture your hot new girlfriend. So oh, my God. Go. Okay. Yeah, yes, exactly. I All think right. that I would probably do uh, go to dinner and with Woody Allen over Trump. Wow. Well, there you go. There's something positive. For Woody. I couldn't say that I would ever go to dinner with him, but uh, with Trump, because I think I'd never hear the end of it. Oh, Rosie O'Donnell told Stern that she uh, wants to go. She loves me. She loves me. She's a she's fat my lesbian. <laughs> but God, that the would new- be a horrible dinner for Woody Allen. I could tell you that. Here's what we learned. Rosie is in a, an exciting new show. It's not. Uh, this is a show most actors would give. They're left nut to be in. Yeah. They want, everyone wants to be in this show, but Rosie got tapped Rosie to got be in call. it. Yeah. Got, got a call. Got a call. I'm still waiting for that call myself, <laughs> but uh, she got the call because, because she's very, very good in this and the creators knew she'd be good in it. Rosie is in something called American Gigolo. Anything Gigolo I go to see. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm all about that. Uh, John Barenthal and Rosie O'Donnell are the two big stars of this show. And you will love it because uh, it's the same people who brought you Ray Donovan, and you had to it's love that. It's compelling. It's compelling. Yes. Compelling. Thank you. Compelling. Good. On Showtime, Sundays at 9 p.m. Also, of course, always hear Rosie on Sirius XM's Comedy Greats Channel 94. She's always featured on there. She is... Uh, She's going to be doing her first lesbian nude scene. <laughs> nude? We didn't. We know didn't that. say nude, did we? I say. Listen, I'm trying to sell this. Okay, lesbian sell it nude. Away. Rosie is going to be nude with a woman in bed. You're finally going to see what she's up to. Exactly. You'll see all my well, moves. Well, you know what's the best. You're going to have to rehearse it. I and know. That's going to be hot. Howard, I'm going to give you yeah. text by text, like as I go on through the day. I'm naked the, now. I'm in the bed. I'm in the bed. I'm excited. The real mind-blowing thing out of this interview, which I think is already making news, the cha- all the channels have picked it up. Rosie is going to dinner with Woody Allen. Oh, That's the, uh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but if you saw the second and, choice. And Rosie is also working <laughs> on stand-up. We might be seeing her around. Uh, when we say stand-up, not traditionally uh, her stand-up, but she's going to do maybe a one-woman show where she is taking you through her life and somehow Trump will also get in on that, yes, too. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I recently saw Rosie on the Mary Trump podcast, yeah. which uh, I love. The two of you have a nice little chemistry. Yeah, going. I really enjoy her. She's really smart. And she's you friends like, with her or do you just uh, w- watch her from afar? Uh, we text each other. We see oh, how, nice. you know, keep in touch, see how she's doing. And I'm going to the Women Who Tech in San Francisco and I'm going to interview her there as oh, well. Nice. So um, I, I think that she's got a lot to say, and we should listen to her. And uh, and also, uh, yes, your friends would be still friends with Madonna, or we, we're out of that. No, still friends. We uh, got to, uh, hooked up together on the phone for her birthday on the sixteenth of August, and she went down to um, France or Italy with her kids for um, her birthday this year, and it's we still, still still friends, still talk, still in each other's lives. 
That's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know 30 year most... 30 year friendship. Well, that's wonderful. Um yeah. Anyway, watch Rosie and American Gigolo on Showtime Sundays at 9 p.m. The woman doesn't want to waste her time. She needs people watching this thing because <laughs> she worked hard on it. Yes, indeed. And, it's great uh, to see you, Howard. Really great. And Robin. Both great seeing you. And Will that you watch nude the... scene is in the L word. Okay. Oh, That's yeah. Right. We can't wait That's for that. Right. And, and I believe you will win an Emmy for your nude scene. In, oh, uh, my God. For your bravery. I, I will thank you when I do. Okay. <laughs> By the way, the Emmys are on tonight. Did you know that? Yes, I, I did. That. I'm going to watch. Are you going to watch it? You are going to watch yes. it. Yes. I like to like, see how they do. do. What are you, I, I'll tell you what a show you want to have win. Hacks. Do you Love like it. Hacks? Love it. Love it. How's she, this for trivia? She's brilliant. The, she's brilliant, but the girl who plays her comedy writer? Yes. That's Lorraine Newman's daughter. And you know what I did to that young girl? When the what show you... was first on, I found her Twitter, and I wrote her a big DM, like, listen, you're a young actress, and this is your big break, and I just want to let you know, showbiz never gets as good as it is now, so let me explain. I write her this whole thing, and she writes back, yeah, I know, my mom's Lorraine Newman. I was like, you idiot! <laughs> this is another example of me, like, over-explaining and over-extending. What do you do in the rest of the day? Everyone wants to know, where is Rosie? What does Rosie O'Donnell do the rest of the day after a big, exciting interview in the morning? Well, my son slept over last night, and my girlfriend is there in the apartment with him. So we're, we're going to take a, her out for lunch, and he's going to go with us. And um, then um, I have another, what do I have tonight? Andy Cohen or something else? or Indoor Seth, lunch? Or indoor Seth. lunch? Indoor lunch? Indoor lunch with masks, probably. Well, you got to take it off to take eat. Take it off to eat, but yeah. We got the wow. masks. We got the masks. Wow, you were way far along in this whole thing well, than I am. I'm I... not hiding in my house. No, I'm not. No, I'm hiding. Yeah, I know. You don't know. You're not sure if you're on Andy Cohn or Seth. Uh, well, I know Myers. I have a bunch in the next few days. So I know I have another outfit tonight. So it's something either Andy Cohen or I'm doing both of them while I'm here. Right. Right. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I'm jealous because they get to spend time with you and I don't. Oh, honey. There you go. Listen. You're fantastic. I could sit and bullshit with you all day. Exactly. So I feel the it, same. You, well, you got to take it off to take eat. Take it off to eat. But yeah, we got the wow. masks. We got the masks. Wow, you were way far along in this whole thing well, than I am. I'm I, not hiding in my house. No, I'm not. No, I'm hiding. Yeah, I know. You don't know. You're not sure if you're on Andy Cohn or Seth. Uh, well, I know Myers. I have a bunch in the next few days. So I know I have another outfit tonight. So it's something either Andy Cohen or I'm doing both of them while I'm here. Right. Right. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, I'm jealous because they get to spend time with you and I don't. Oh, honey. There you go. Listen, you're fantastic. I could sit and bullshit with you all day. Exactly. So I feel the but same. You don't even know what I didn't get to ask you. But well, enough, we'll, we'll save be it. part two. We'll save it for another <laughs> time. I want you to rest up for Andy Cohen because he's going to have shot skis and he's going to sit there and, uh, you know, yeah. ask you about your nude lesbian scene. Yeah, he probably will. Absolutely. All right. Listen, Rosie, good luck with the new show. Hey, I love you, Howard. I really love do. you, too. I really Great do, too. Great to talk to you. And, and Robin, uh, I love you, too. Great to see you. You don't it's have to say that. Just say you love me. And I please. love I love Rosie. Oh, there you go. Now, wait there a second. You go. Please, yeah. oh, to all guests, not just Rosie, only say you love me, please. It's <laughs> way more meaningful. <laughs> By the way, uh, Woody Allen's on the phone. He wants oh, to take Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's trying he to wait. make arrangements for that dinner. <laughs> He's so... Uh, yeah, he's so Woody, into it. He has another Woody, movie for me. Woody, Rosie's on the way, okay, pal? <laughs> okay, you know, we're, we're just at the cat's 
Delhi. You know. All right, that's a horrible impression. Thank you. All right, all right. All right. bye, Rosie. Thank bye, you. honey. Thank Rosie you, Rosie O'Donnell. Everyone, go see her in uh, American Gigolo on Showtime Sundays at nine p.m. She's telling it like it is, and not afraid to tell it like it is. Always, which is right. Let you know what's on her mind. That was a lot of time. That was a lot of fun, and I love when she said, "I love you, Howard," and, and then she said, "I love you, Robin." Too. It, t- it took away from the moment. It, Robin, it didn't but. have the same ring, you <laughs> yeah, know. She said, "I love right. you, Howard." Oh, I love you, Robin. Yeah, uh, it was right, right, more. Right. You got more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have Rosie O'Donnell, and uh, tomorrow we will regroup. I have a lot to get to. You know, we we really only we were on the tip of the iceberg still about what went on all summer just shave the surface there's more ice more and you need to rest up robin and um i know you're all jacked up from spending time with eddie vetter and taking pictures and all that stuff but you must pace yourself because we have a big show tomorrow and a big show wednesday